Um, greetings, ladies and um, zombies. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Immortal Brendel. Uh, I'm joined here by this fabulous panel. But um, this um, podcast is actually our first one this year, I believe. And our technically our second Resident Evil related thing. But uh, besides the point, though. But today we were talking about Resident Evil 2 Classic. And my panel today is um, starting from the top. Black Shadow, um, intro, intro yourself. Yeah, Aaron Shadow is back. Um, we are here to uh, talk and have a good discussion about what I think, all, once you're all said and done, it's probably one of the most important games ever made in the horror franchise. I don't think that's hyperbole. I think that's probably a fair statement. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Rose, go ahead and intro yourself. Hey guys, I'm Manthe Rose. I hope you're having a wonderful start to your new year. And yeah, I am excited to talk about the classic Resident Evil 2. Alright, alright. Operative. What's going on, people? This is Renegade Operative, and I cannot wait to talk about Leon and RPD smacking zombies and doing a lot of uh, undercover stuff with Ada. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's good to be here, and I cannot wait to talk about it. All right, all right, and Silver Crystal, my man's injury, so. Alrighty, greetings, folks, back again. Really looking forward to discussing Resident Evil 2, the original. One of my favorite games of all time, if not my most favorite game of all time. So really looking forward to it. Let's do it. All right, all right, and um, start things off. Uh, what memories do you have of Resident Evil 2? If you played before, do you recall how much of your um, first playthrough? Uh, I'll make mine simple. Actually, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for Resident Evil 2, really enough. My first playthrough was on my PSP because uh, it was you could play PS1 games on it. And yeah, I got um, annihilated a few times though. But literally after like I think two playthroughs, though, I was able to like you know dominate the game pretty well. So yeah, it, it's definitely still a fantastic game to play because I, I played it recently on um, on the GameCube. It's really good, really good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've I've set my soul out here pretty pretty early here. Um, I think, uh, although I think I rec- I recall like once having like a quick try of Resident Evil One when my brother was playing it. I think Resident Evil Two was actually the first Resident Evil I actually played properly. Um, and this is going back to like this is going back sometimes probably like two thousand, probably about like probably about like nineteen ninety nine two thousand somewhere around then. This is the first RE I ever played. Um, which is crazy when I think about where I, where I am sitting here right now. <laughs> and I've put a inordinate amount of time of my life into this series. Um, I remember just like being just fascinated with the game, kind of entranced by it. Um, whereas I found the first game like really frightening and horrendous, though it might just because the game looked like hideously bad because obviously it was very early in the git cycle and there was polygon this and bizarre zombie movement that uh two to me like was a complete overhaul um and it just related to me significantly much more better i finally enjoyed the game and here i am now like 20 years later still talking about it all right uh manty Let's see. One of the earliest memories that I have of Resident Evil 2 is, oh god, I can't even remember how old I was when it first came out, but I do remember watching my dad play through it, and I remember the scene uh, during Leon's campaign with the gator in the sewer, and I don't know why, but that scene has always stuck out to me. And then years later, I would end up playing the game and experiencing the same uh, 
experience that my dad played, which was, uh, well, maybe not so much terror nowadays, um, but a lot of enjoyment playing this game. All right, uh, Arbiter? I saw this game on a commercial, actually. I think it was uh, when I was watching. Oh, yeah, I was watching a uh, SmackDown or whatever, because uh, I mean, back then I, I really didn't have like a lot of TV. So when I moved, it was like a new experience for me. Um, and then I saw it on television. I'm like, hold on. Zombies, dark setting, uh, RPD, cops getting like eaten. You know, I got I got to get this game like right now. Um, so what happened was because I was like too young to play it, and obviously M rated game, I, I couldn't get my hands on it, but I had to sneak my way and sort of play it uh, because my brother had it. I managed to play RE2 for the first time, and I absolutely enjoyed it. I, I think that was like legitimately my first RE game because I did not touch one. I only like saw bits and pieces so because of that that made me even more excited for re2 i do recall as well because i i've watched back through like uh a lot of wrestling from back then i do recall resident evil 2 i know it specifically sponsored one of the pay-per-views i can't remember for life which one uh but i definitely do remember yeah they they even now like it seems kind of weird when you see like games like sponsoring like these live things like Final fantasy 13 i remember called had quite a few which is like so weird to me but yeah they've been doing this for a long time and yeah resident evil 2 like watching back now you see like these adverts for this game it's just like so bizarre it's so strange they're just like look at these amazing graphics i'm like really how little we knew but it, yeah i do remember this <laughs> all right um silver yeah all righty um kind of an interesting one here i was actually way too young to play it when i well not like way too young but i first came across resident evil 2 probably when i was in my early teens so you know into the into the ps3's lifespan and I'd played Resident Evil 4 beforehand, and I thought, you know what, let's go back. And 2 kind of got my attention. So, Shadow might remember this, actually. A, a retail game store in the UK called GameStation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, before it got bought by game, and then it all fell apart. Bingo, exactly. Those were the days. Um, Got one of my parents to pick it up from GameStation for me. Tried it out and got as far as the early bits of the police station. And because I hadn't played many scary games before that, for some bizarre reason, the, the primitive more, more primitive graphics compared to 4 kind of made me feel really uneasy playing it. And it scared me. And I put it down like a, a few more years. Then came back later on and now it's like my favorite game of all time and i speed run it like it's a weird religious obsession you're not uh, the only one. yeah yeah that's uh resident evil 2 i'm glad to know i'm not the only one as well i'm like just a quick recall here like do you remember like the game station like their own like self-tech stuff like their their memory cards and that sort of stuff yes i bought a couple of their mm -hmm. christ almighty memory cards were dreadful yeah <laughs> buy official everyone for the love of god yes buy official agreed agreed all right um we have a another um guest that came up um divic intro yourself please yeah 
<clears throat> been a bit, but uh, name's Divic, resident uh, boomer slash old school survival horror guy that likes to argue with all the kids about the new Resident Evils. Um, yeah, it's good to good to talk to you all again. All right, um, what are your memories of Resident Evil 2? Um, what was the first time you played it, or do you remember your first playthrough? You know, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, my grandparents uh, picked up a copy of Resident Evil 2 for me. I'd seen a commercial for it Hi. in the house, I Sorry think. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> hey, no. Uh, what am I saying? Memories. Wait, hold on. Uh, we have someone talking before you just showed up. So, oh, uh, yeah. I'll get it. Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> no, no, no worries. So, grandparents were uh, keen on getting me the game, and you know, I, th I think I've said this before on here. Is they're kind of responsible for me, kind of taking a foray into just all things horror in general, and so they got it for me from the PlayStation, and I freaked out. Um, I got to the police station, I think, and I couldn't play past that point for a couple years and then finally decided to pick it up again one day. And by that point, I had played Resident Evil 3 and I would played Dino Crisis. And so I figured I should go back and tackle 2. And uh, it's gotten to the point where it's just kind of part of my regular repertoire. I play it at least a couple times a year, um, doubly so now with um, the seamless HD edition. But uh, just classic stuff from all the goofy lines and all that. Uh, I just, like I, it hooked me immediately, and it scared the crap out of me immediately. So it was pretty formative. All right, um, Dom, uh, intro yourself. Hi, uh, once again, sorry for interrupting. Um, yeah, I came in here. Um, apparently, somebody didn't make it, so I'm taking their place today. Uh, I'm Bio Devil Dom, and I'm here to talk about some Biohazard Two, if you will. Ha. Huh. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, number one is, um, what are your memories with Resident Evil 2? Your first, do you remember your first playthrough? No. Just that and a third, like, okay. tell us about it. Um, so I, I think I mentioned this in past podcasts, but, like, I didn't start with classic RE. I actually started with RE5. I had, um, uh, friends who were playing RE5 at the time, and I, I was really bad at it. I didn't know what I was doing. I was getting my ass handed to me left and right. So much so to the point where my friends were like, no, don't even touch that fucking controller. Um, but over time, I eventually eventually got reintroduced to RE through like RE4, and I wanted to go and play some of the older games. Um, so I played, you know, I started playing through RE1, um, got through that game, and it was, it was a bit of an adjustment to get used to, especially with 2 and 3 as well. Um, I didn't become good at these games like overnight. It took many years, actually. Um, so then I eventually played RE2 via uh, PSN because uh, you could get the digital copy there. Um, you know, and I and I really dug you know RE1, dug RE2, and I also ended up really digging RE3. And I liked those games so much that I ended up buying uh, each one of those games physically. So uh, it's one of those things that. Um, you know, despite not ever necessarily growing up with these games, um, the overall quality of these games kind of, at least to me, stood the test of time and were convincing enough for me to uh, go out of my way to purchase these games. All right, all right. Um, I guess we go ahead and finally go on to number two. Um, so who's real number two? I'll read it. Be my guess. 
During development, there was a version of Resident Evil 2 now known as Resident Evil 1.5. It was halfway into development before it was scrapped and notable for differences like Claire Redfield instead of Elsa Walker. If you've seen 1.5 or played it, then how do you feel about it? Uh, anyone can go first. I don't care. I'll go last. All right, fine. Be that way. Ryan, you go ahead. <laughs> no. Well, all right. Fuck it. So 1.5, I have played on live stream and I saw like you could play with Elza Walker. That's the big difference. Like the original interconnected story did not have the Claire and Chris relationship. This was just like a new uh, random college student. And I thought that was cool. And then um, the entire RPD is 100% like super different. Uh, character motivations I think there was one notable thing where Leon was like you know everyone's already dead why should we even bother why should we care because in the original RE2 he was like I'm trying to save every hostage and survivor and all that as possible uh so it, it's a lot of dramatic changes that I saw it's quite the shame that they didn't get the chance to actually uh finish it 100 because from what i played with magic door uh it was places where i was going to where it warped me back to certain areas or it was buggy but it was once again quite a very interesting experience i wish maybe capcom would go back and make like a what if out of this game instead of what they did with orc which was um complete trash but you know it's just ideas out there uh it was interesting and i can see why they changed it too because after playing the game it was just 100% re1 uh two at least the final build they added in a lot of quality of life changes which we will talk about later and i'm done one thing i want to um point out though I really wish that um, they actually suck with certain character elements, like walking with Kendo and um, Marvin. Or, is his name Marvin or Martin? I keep forgetting. Marvin. Marvin. It's Thank Marvin. You. Yeah, the one where Marvin uh, helps you. I, I saw that. Yeah, like, even if like they still died in though, it'd been nice if they actually stuck around with you during an adventure or whatever. Like, especially Kendo, considering that he's a gunsmith, I feel like he would be like a more important partner than uh, Marvin. Uh, did you like you know? when Ada was like a scientist? in this game now I just, um honestly it would have made sense if she was a scientist over a spy considering like you no know, the connection between her and john no because mm -hmm. no john's a scientist no he used her password her name is a password yada yada right so it would actually make sense to um have her as a scientist though but i'm fine with her being what she has said though but i'm be really intrigued that if she was still a scientist right or hell they could have done both where she actually is a scientist right oh but she's a spy you know behind the scenes that would have been no cool to have that as a plot point in the current RE2 classic, but and I just hearsay. Uh, you can go ahead, Don. Yeah, so I, I've actually heard a lot about RE1.5 through other like content creators, and then eventually I started like kind of digging around and learning about it. I've never actually played it, um, but a lot of the stuff that I had seen after watching Ren play it on stream. Um, yeah, I kind of wish some of that stuff was still in RE2, like some of the uh, enemy archetypes, like the man spider was just really fucking cool. Like, yeah, you know, I, I know like a lot of us will talk about like enemies we don't like to deal with. And I'm sure that would have been one of those enemies that we wouldn't have wanted to like deal with per se. But at the same time, just to see it be there is really cool. And just to get that uh, additional lore that 
we now have lost out on is kind of a shame. Um, you know, so I hope like in the future, you know, maybe Capcom could look back at this build because uh, I'm not sure how many of you uh, are aware of this, but like Hideki Kamiya, um, who was working on the original RE2, fucking hates RE1.5. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily because of the fact that Shinji Mikami asked him to scrap the whole thing and start from scratch, or if he, you know, if it's just a thing of he really does not like horror, which is probably also a likely uh, candidate as far as like possibilities. Um, but you know, that's that's just one of those things where like you know, since he's not there and Capcom's kind of doing whatever. Um, I don't see why they couldn't revive that idea for you know, say RE9 or maybe potentially like re4 remake if they can make it work with uh like the plug or even code veronica remake if they wanted to do that um so that's just one of those things that i wish they would have kept um i think also the layout to some of the environments would have been cool to see as well um i know that like the sewers were drastically different there was also mm. like a warehouse we don't go to in the official re2 um that's in 1.5 which is also pretty cool so I just I think that a lot of the the stuff that they scrapped has potential has potential to be uh, in a you know good RE game. How I would even say like character wise or even soundtrack wise, you also have a lot of potential that could uh, be worked into another official RE game. Um, I know a lot of people would like to see Elsa Walker become an official character someday. So. Yes, I'm definitely in that account. I think it's kind of weird that they just completely cut her out like. She could like at least be a character later down the line, or at least have some form of reference, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, Silver, you can go ahead right ahead. Yeah. Um, I haven't played it because my 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 computer's like a piece of old age technology powered by prayers and druids. But um, I've seen a full playthrough of it. You know, somebody who's actually played it through and pieced it together on YouTube and done, like, the, the full playthrough of what is available. And I really enjoyed, like, a lot of the differences that were there. The The RPD was an entirely modern police precinct. I mean, I suppose there's always that curiosity there for what could have been that kind of thing. And I also like what was mentioned a moment ago. There was... There's a few pretty big changes with characters like, you know, Marvin and Kendo and that kind of thing. It was also interesting to see, most of all, out of all the characters, um, Irons was pretty much a good guy from the brief glimpses of things that we saw. And honestly, one thing that I would have really liked to see more than anything, a sp specific type of enemy that was in it that pretty much got entirely cut out of existence. There were full-sized zombie gorillas of mm. giant monkeys in 1.5. And apart from the, the abominations that were put into Resident Evil Zero, we've not seen anything really monkey-related apart from that. So I would have really liked to have seen what was... um what could have potentially been done with them. And, I mean, yeah. Um, I was, was going to say, while I would agree, I've seen the Eliminators. I know what they're like. I'm hesitant to agree. <laughs> oh. Yeah, zombie gorillas don't. Monkeys. Um, 
fucking hate that enemy so much. Like, can it, we that's burn why it? I brought that shit up earlier because I was like saying, <laughs> you know, like with the man spider, for example, right? Like, there are enemies that look like, yeah, you wouldn't want to deal with them in an RE game. And I'm sure everybody's going to say that. But at the same time, at least, you know, as far as curiosity is concerned, you know, you kind of can't help but be curious and wonder, like, what they would have been like in an official RE game. And also, what. Yeah. What lore could have came out of that, you know? Uh, burn the monkey's nutsack yeah. off with like a laser beam or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. I mean, pretty sure that's a fetish video on the internet this... if you look hard enough. Ah oh, fuck. <laughs> Monkey nuts, right, ladies I, and gentlemen. I, I, okay, no, no, no. Moving on from that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who was it going next for question two if uh, if um silver's finished? Uh yeah, go. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh Devic, Matthew? I I honestly, this is one of the like few things as far as like old school Resident Evil goes that I really don't have a lot of experience with. Um, I've meant to check it out for a couple years now. I just never can find the time. The little bits that I've seen looks fine, but without actually putting hands on it or seeing a final product, it's kind of like you know Fahrenheit or um, I think that's what it was called. No, Indigo Prophecy. Indigo Prophecy looked fine until you played past, you know, the vertical slice, so I don't know. Yeah, same. I've heard of Resident Evil 1.5, but I've never actually played it for myself, and I don't even think I've seen any um, playthroughs of it. I do remember the costume that Elsa Walker wears that um, you can have Claire Redfield wear in the remake of it, but that's Mm -hmm. pretty much all I know. Yeah, I think... um... It's one of those cases where there's always going to be a lot of what if, because that's a very popular thing to sort of do, and people always want to know what, you know, what it happened. But I, I, as much as it would have been cool, I think to see what it could have spawned out of. Um, I think judging by what only did come out of the project from re- just totally scrapping it and starting again, it was probably the right call. Uh, I, I think that's probably fair to suggest, right? I'd say so. Um. If you think about it, right, just just in relation to this, one of the reasons Resident Evil 2 is so loved is because of the design of the RPD and all of the puzzles in there. So if you would have had a really bland kind of police precinct, like I said, the curiosity is there, but it might not have done as well comparatively to what we got as the final product. Mm. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> any, anyone else want to go on question two? Um, just... Yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, kind of like in response to that last bit, um, and and I kind of agree in in that sense of like when you think about like RE one in comparison at the time, right? You're going through this old mansion, and it seems ordinary at first, but you know you soon discover that it's really just messed up, and that's kind of the same uh, design philosophy with like the R- the official RPD with RE two where, you know, it seems, you know, relatively simple at at first, and then it gets really convoluted with all the keys and puzzles you have to solve throughout that game. Um, Excuse me. Uh, And I think, like, you know, like, in in that regard, it's it's one of those things where, you know, that might have been part of the reason why they decided to scrap so much of that original uh, RPD, Um, you know, despite it looking rather interesting and rather modern or, or rather um you know potentially f- more futuristic 
compared to uh, most modern police stations at that time. Um, you know, it really depends on what they were thinking at that time with that design versus the official design. Uh, the only thing I think I had to say was it was cool. They took the shooting range at least and they put that in remake too, uh, because some people were expecting some elements from 1.5 to carry over, and they did with the Elsa Walker costume and the shooting range. I thought that was really nice for Capcom to at least remember that this range was in this game. Now we're gonna have it in the remake, which uh, the area is annoying, but I respect it. Yeah, because God forbid, you know, you have a shooting range inside a police station, you know? No, it, it's annoying because when you go in there, you can't see shit, and the zombies are in there, and it's like, well, uh, I guess I have to guess where I'm going to go, otherwise I'm going to get, like, bitten, so. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's perfectly fine. You can go in there before they wake up. Also, for what you said, I mean, look, there's no bathrooms either, so Remake had to fix that. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a bit of a problem. Yeah, where are you gonna go? Like on the floor? Outside. Or... <laughs> Outside, like an animal. All right, yeah, I got you. Like a monkey. Yeah, yeah. Listen, that happened this oh, summer. Oh god, was a bad time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, I guess we can move on. Then, who's real number three? Uh, I'll um I, read I number three. Or, or oh, you, if ahead, you want to yeah. go ahead, you go fast. I'll do four or something. Okay. Come on. Okay, sure. Um, so this section is about quality of life improvements over the original Resident Evil. The second entry included more details like color-coded doors on maps, different environment speeds, uh, be or different movement speeds, my bad, uh, for being injured, reworked enemy animations, and so on. Uh, do you think this is just part of being a sequel, or did these uh, did these really help make RE2 feel more realistic? Um, I will say both. So, so I think I think the thing with RE2 as a sequel is that not a whole lot of that game really changed. It, it's kind of the old adage of, hey, if it's not broken, there's no real reason to fix it, right? And RE2 is a perfect example of that. Nothing was really broken with RE1. It just needed some fine-tuning. Therefore, when we had RE2, not a whole lot of new stuff was really added. It was just some small quality-of-life changes that overall improved that experience. Um, the only thing I would say is that it's kind of a regression is having the A and B scenarios. And I know that sounds kind of weird because a lot of people like those A and B scenarios. Um, but I kind of liked having the option of just, you know, picking and choosing what order I did things in the mansion and getting different outcomes and potentially dictating what type of ending I would get as opposed to having a strictly, um, you know, determined ending every single run, you know? Um, but overall, yeah, I would say like a lot of the... Uh, the quality of life changes that they added in. I think that was just more of a, you know, it being a sequel type of deal. I don't necessarily think it was a more realistic um, type of deal per se. Mm, so Shadow, you want to elaborate on the animations? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I talked about it a bit more before. Um, to me, the problem I always had with the first game was, I know it's a Resident Evil game, but I think suspension of disbelief is a little tricky. 
uh, when all like the zombies, which is the main enemy, just just kind of walk at you usually with like their arms in front of them, um, you know, like they're made out of iron um, and just kind of like shamble. So that kind of bizarrely, um, I always appreciated this game. Everything just felt a lot. It was quality of life, definitely, but everything felt a lot more kind of cleaner. It felt like a lot more kind of almost believable. You know, zombies weren't just constantly just just like reaching out for you the whole time. You know, there's some that were just sort of shambling and just standing there and you know, kind of doing their own thing. Obviously, it pales a comparison to say nowadays, uh, where what you can see nowadays in games, you know, they're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, you know, to try and make them seem a lot more kind of like human, whatever. Um, but that's kind of what I was, I sort of meant when sort of wording this out. Um, and I think that's, that's generally, I think the case probably for RE2, there's lots of little tweaks, little updates here and there, fleshing out the graphics more, having more than like three different zombie designs, which, you know, people forget how few designs there was in the original game. <laughs> people really forget that, you know, you've got green coat dude, or you've got white coat dude, or you've got naked dude. And that's pretty much it. You know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I suppose they didn't change too much in regards to, like, the, the main content of the game. But did they really need to? Um, I don't think necessarily. As far as, like, the CNR and stuff like that, we'll talk about that later on. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think definitely. Um, you know, it just helped make the game feel a lot more kind of complete and a lot less raw um, than the original one. Far more polished sort of title. Yeah, I just want to say really quick in response to that, and, that, and that's kind of why I mentioned that, you know, it being so similar to RE1 in a lot of ways, you know, makes sense in this in the technical sense of, you know, well, nothing was necessarily really wrong with RE1. It just needed a little bit more polish, so that's... RE1 uh, was RE2 a very, feels. very kind of experimental title, and yeah. I think that, that comes across even now when you play it, you look back at it, you... It's very, very kind of rough around the edges. It's kind of just there um, in all these various places, and you're fighting dudes, and the combat's kind of wonky, and the zombies have a habit of just, like, turning on the spot into a wall, and their parving is hideous. Um, yeah. Circling them is, like, as easy as anything, basically. So, you know, the game needed a lot of fine-tuning, but they didn't need to mess with the, the concept of the game too much, which they didn't really do. Um, until I guess the third title, where they started kind of focusing more on like gameplay changes or dodging and that sort of stuff. Uh, it's it's relatively the same, but once again, those little changes that they do help because I get tired of going to my menu in RE One to see if I'm hurt or not. My character can't show it, so you know if they do like a lunging attack or if they do like a death animation while well, I'm dead. So I'm glad that the, um, the visual indicator is there. So you don't have to deal with that problem. You know exactly what's happening if you're limping or if you're holding your side, etc. Um, yeah. but relatively speaking, yeah, the game is mostly just an updated RE one. And they didn't mess with much, but what they added was so much more uh, with the content and everything we're going to talk about later. It would probably be um, unfair to, uh, to, to, to neglect the fact that it just being an update from RE1 
does have some downsides. It is still a tank control game. That's not yeah. for everyone. It still has a kind of clunky inventory system. That's not for everyone. Uh, the voice acting is not that amazing. Let's be honest. In it's a step up from one, but yeah, it's, it's not it's good. Honestly, however, that is a low bar. Honestly, uh, I'm <laughs> a very low bar. Be... <laughs> Probably unpopular opinion though, but I think the RE2 voice acting is honestly really fine. Yeah, as a spotty on voice actors though, but generally speaking, the main cast, we got all their extra spot. You know, really I good. mean, I can yeah, have fine. I think you got to remember too, like coming off of RE1, RE1 was like, like <laughs> B movie cheesy, like if not worse than that, right? And like yeah. people love it, right? But you know, when you really compare that to RE2, like RE2 is like, okay. You know, people loved RE1, so now we're going to actually try to, you know, be serious about making a sequel for this game and try to make a more serious story in, in both tone, voice acting, and whatnot. And they didn't really, you know, as mentioned before, they didn't really have to do a whole lot to change the formula. They just really had to focus on that story. Whereas RE3, they, by that point, they knew, okay, well, we have to improve the formula to some degree, otherwise it's going to feel way too similar to the last two games. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it would be. I'm not. I'm not heavily criticizing the, the voice acting. Like Paul Haddad with Leon, I think did a, a perfectly, perfectly fine job. And I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have liked Claire Redfield anywhere near as much as I did if Alison Court hadn't voiced her. Openly, probably. So, you know. Yeah. But, and but like in the grand scheme of things, it's still not like it wasn't stellar. It wasn't like outstanding voice acting with some other games that were around it. But it was still perfectly, perfectly serviceable. I feel like, you know, it was back in the 90s, so, you know, the voice acting in not just this game, but, like, in a lot of the other 90s games were just going to sound, you know, cheesy, but over time it did get better, though. Your mileage will vary. Mm. I still think we should all take a shot every time Leon says the phrase Ada Wait in that game. Impossible. Man. Yeah, there's those annoyances. And and I mean, like, yeah. for voice acting, uh, MGS, I'm not sure when that came out, but I think that's when uh, people started looking at it, like, critically. It was 98, I believe. Yeah. yeah. It was the same year. I knew. Yeah. Played that year. Yeah, so when that came out, people started, like, saying, oh, shit, well, this is actually, like, a movie. This is movie level, so. Uh, yeah, but, but for RE2, it's yeah. still kind of cheesy, in a sense. Ada, wait, and whatever marvin is saying when he's like moaning before he turns into a zombie <laughs> can i say my favorite <laughs> sounds like a whale best line in the game bar none oh sorry about that babe oh yeah yeah from oh, the beginning with Kendo. Um, <laughs> very canadian to sorry about that <laughs> yeah oh god I think they even had uh, fucking Steve say that, uh, say it yes. sorry like that in uh, Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> they sound like Canadians. That's so weird. Yeah, they're yeah, they are. most of the boys Canadians. were Canadian. Canadians. Yeah. I forgot Paul about that. Paul Dad was Canadian, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was, and I think um, Paul Mercier as well as Leon Canadians before they all changed it to like U.S. So interesting bit of history. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting history. Mm-hmm. One so, quick thing uh, to add about the um mm-hmm. about the movements system for being damaged and whatnot. Speedrunners worst nightmare. You yeah. take more than two hits, go down to caution, your run is over. I mean that's that's to be honest, you guys do it. That's your own fault. 
I'm not, yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? I understand, but but it makes sense, you know. I mean, if you're beaten up, like, yeah, you should be a bit slower. But should be a bit more sluggish moving around. I think it makes perfect sense to me. I I, I, I mean, you know, it gave you a I, reason to like keep yourself in fine, so that like you were, you know, if you're in danger, like you're kind of being slightly punished for it, you know. It was like a yeah. reason to kind of keep not just constantly. Oh, I'll just wait until I've got the tiniest bit of fraction of health, and then I'll heal myself. You know, to get the max at the first aid. It's like, well, I'm I'm already slower and sluggish. I'm going to take more damage uh, anyways. Maybe I, I think. Well, well, that's partially correct. I I think it's also just the the notion of like in RE one you didn't have any sort of visual indication. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. Was. It's so it was like, there's a very good potential where somebody wasn't paying attention to that, and they would they would die to that, you know? Yeah. So it's one of those, like, quality of life changes, even though, yeah, like, some of those animations might be a little bit over-exaggerated now. Um, you know, they do help in the sense of, okay, well, now you have to kind of be mindful of, like, okay, if you want the fastest uh, movement, you have to be in full health. If you want to make sure that your, you know, your health is generally fine, you're going to tell by what your character is doing visually, as opposed to having to constantly check your inventory. Mm -hmm. uh, I Actually, do find um, it funny, though, if I took an injury, though, suddenly I'm just severely crippled, you know? Like, I think, I think it took it a little too far in some areas, though, but, you know, it, no, at least we have it. You know, yeah, I mean, I, it, I, you're fucked. I was going to say, too, really quick, because uh, we did not mention this, but the item boxes, because... RE2 is the one that introduced the color-coded items in the uh, little, like, dial or whatever on the side. Because you didn't see that in, um, in RE2. No, no, it, was, it was just a list of items, and he... Was it RE3? I thought it was RE2, yeah, RE2 I, that I, did I'm it. pretty sure that was RE3 that did it. Oh, it might well have been, actually. Actually, no, yeah, you're right. It was RE4 that, that gave you, like, a listing of it, yeah. Because I know, like, when you go back to, like, RE Remake, for example, they don't have that. The only thing they yeah, have is... I just, yeah, I just played it recently. I don't remember seeing it in Item Box, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty no, sure that's no, only no. RE3. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might, I might have gotten that confused. Well, there's a lot of similarities between the two games, so it's, you know. Yeah. But, you know, anyway. Well, I mean, like I was gonna say, uh, Leon kind of looks like the hunchback of Notre Dame in uh, remake when he's like really hurt, but he can still like move kind of fast, so it's kind of funny at the same time. But mm -hmm. I, I see the big deal about animations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a necessary evil. Like the game was, the game had to develop and somewhat, and part of that has to be graphically and like kind of what you interact with. So one one thing I did like that I'm sure nobody has mentioned was uh I do like when a zombie grabs you and you shake him off. Sometimes the arm could be like stuck to the character. Oh yeah. That yeah. that was kind of yeah, funny and kind of great at the same time cuz I I saw that like when I was playing it just recently. Yeah, very. Yeah, that's kind of rare for that to happen though, very but yeah. It's rare? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah it doesn't happen. You, you could easily go several runs of that game and that never happens. Definitely. I had something really interesting happen during today's run, actually, before the podcast. I had a zombie grab me. I managed to hit the button so quickly that I got out of it. And yep. it took his, he took his arm off in the process without me being hit. Well. Huh. So that, has, that actually happened. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Can't say I've oh, seen that either. Yeah, most, yeah, most, it's, most it's very rare. games, like, if you're, like, pressing, like, as you're being grabbed, like, basically beforehand, like, there's quite a lot of them. You can, like, literally escape a grab before taking any realistic damage. Um, Outbreak's the same. You can do that as well. Um, there's a few others you can do that as well. If some of they, they change it later on with like RE4 and RE5. There's, like, a 
there's an initial period where you can't get out even if you tap like a million oh, times. Oh god, RE4 is the worst uh, one. Uh, when you get grabbed in the front, no, that's when um you cannot um break out and you still take damage regardless of how quick you do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. now, if you get grabbed from the back though, then you're fine. You won't take damage. You just gotta shrug them off quickly. But yeah. god, that's the thing I really, really hope to change in the remake. <laughs> but anyway, that's irrelevant right now. <laughs> the remake uh, doesn't exist. That isn't confirmed. Hint, hint. Mm. Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> or leave. All right, I guess we'll go ahead and move on to number four. All right. Uh, um, yeah, so that one. Aha. Uh -huh. Let me scroll down. Give me a moment. Resident Evil 2 shined a spotlight on a new mechanic called zapping. This meant that if you played as Leon and took something from Claire, it would affect her campaign and vice versa. They also added in scenarios where new branching paths were discovered if you played on scenario A or B. What impact do you feel these had on the game's replayability and possibility on future games in the genre? Oh, sorry, and possibly on future games in the genre. Sorry. Uh, I am happy that Zap exists in the Zist, though. I wish they could have done a little bit more with it, though, but it was, for what it was, it was really cool. But the best thing they've done, though, was definitely the scenarios. Because I love how, uh, when you play on, obviously, on A and B, you know, the whole script of the game completely changes. Depending on, like, you know, Leon A, um, Claire B, and vice versa. Yeah, uh, it, definitely, it definitely gave a lot of replay value to it with these scenarios. Because you've essentially got four different ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I know it was mentioned before, like uh it depends a little bit what you what you kind of want for, because some people will prefer having like just one start point which branches out, and some other people would rather have like four different start points all with their own ending sort of thing. Um, which you know makes sense. It depends what you like a bit, but I mean I realistically think... then Resident Evil Three would be your game because it pretty much does exactly that. More or less. Start you start with one path and then you branch out depending on your decisions. Yeah. But I, I think you gotta take you know, taking this context for like what things were like in nineteen ninety-eight, I think like having like two different campaigns with two different scenarios that like link into like interlink with each other, um, I think was like pretty awesome for like the time span when you think about it. You know, when generally it's just like you have a start point and end point, you can do shit in the middle and that's about it. But you you felt like you were getting four separate games in one. Uh, that's how it always kind of approached to me a bit. Maybe it's because I just kind of believe in the hype a little bit, but I always thought it was very, very awesome, you know, that you'd post someone else's A campaign, and then you'd do the B, and then you'd kind of see, oh, what was going on on the side, and how it interacts, and how things change, and how some characters' A scenario is very different to their B scenario and such like, and the B scenarios were also quite different to each other as well. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely, to me, one of the highlights of the game. Um, you know, and then it was fine because obviously the B scenarios were typically somewhat more difficult and challenging, but that's fine because you've had to play through the A to get to the B anyway. So I was perfectly happy to have a bit more of a challenge. Um, yeah, even I'm... if like you know, the first one I think I did was the the Claire B um scenario. I think was the first one I did, and that beat my ass. I remember struggling with that significantly when I first hit that on. That was really tough. I feel like the B scenario is more my alley because technically it is shorter because um you're pretty much starting like a little later compared to the like mm. the other side right. But only that though, I prefer like getting certain things um done quicker or engaging in more enemies or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like B was definitely the, the sweet spot for me to play. R2, yeah, the, the, I think um, the B scenarios as well. Like the the A scenarios were very kind of um 
like one direction in like how you proceeded through the level you you did things in a set way there's very little scope for any variance whereas the b because it like put you in like the side of the map like you could take on like the second floor stuff first you go first floor stuff first like as far as the police station was concerned you had quite a lot of flexibility in how you wanted to approach the beginning of the game which could make a huge difference because you could take a bad path and like get, not take the uh the secondary weapon very early on and have a pretty miserable run for like an hour um yeah by not going down sort of thing so you know and i what i liked you had a bit of um a bit of say over how your playthrough went whereas the first one was kind of like i don't know what the word is i'm looking for here but it was it was very kind of fixed uh in what you did you know you'd you'd enter into the police station you'd speak with marvin you'd go around the side of the west hall you'd come back then you'd go up around to the second floor then go across to the jewels and it was there was very little opportunity to break away from that parving sadly it also yeah, feels like oh, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry no go ahead go ahead no 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 it's fine you, you go ahead i was just gonna say it also feels like that they upped the difficulty to some degree with the b scenarios almost as if to indicate to the player Okay, you've been through this once. You 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 kind of know the ropes now. We're going to make things a bit more challenging on your second go through with the other character. Just an observation. It does. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, help yeah. that they add in the tyrant as well, considering that I granted the tyrant is like super scripted though, but he's still an obstacle in your way. Yeah. So like that's them mm -hmm. um you know showing that yeah, like they ain't playing around with on the B side. Yeah, if you experience it's not too bad, but like if for a first time like he is, uh, he can be pretty brutal. Yeah, I was gonna say, as far as like um, A and B scenarios, I, I am definitely like one of those people that are um, more on the, the latter side of that, where I, I prefer RE three in the way that that game handles its story over having like A and B scenarios. Uh, but at the same time, though, I do really dig the zapping mechanic. I I think that. Um, in theory, right, you could get it to work uh, in sort of like a hybrid um, sort of scenario where, yeah, you could pick and choose how you want the scenarios to go out based on how you tackle that story and how you tackle certain or, or what, what things you do in certain orders and whatnot. Mm. Um, but at the same time, still have that zapping mechanic where if you play as a different character, you know, whatever they did, they might have, you know, lost out on a weapon or a side pack or something like that, right? Um, and I think, like, in some ways, uh, like, maybe even RE1 was potentially going to try to do that, but they decided against it, you know, because I, I could definitely see something like, oh, well, you know, in RE1, Chris never got the grenade launcher, for example. So maybe, you know, RE1 with the zapping mechanic, potentially Chris could get it and Jill not, right? But... It's just one of those things where, while I like the idea, I do definitely prefer prefer more of a, you know, uh, approach where you kind of pick and choose where you go. Um, you dictate what sort of scenarios happen based on the order of things you do and um, uh, not having to be, like, forced necessarily to always get the same same two outcomes for both A and B scenarios. Because while the other, you know, while you do get the different cutscenes and different scenarios throughout both the A and B scenarios for both characters, you're still getting the same two endings. You're still getting the same two intros. So it's it's one of those things, well, 
you know, while the, you know, the story itself, everything in between is great to see all those changes, not having a, a difference in outcome to me, at least is kind of a, a downside, at least to me. Honestly, that's not necessarily a big deal, though, considering how much you're going through in the middle, right? Like, it's fine that you only get one in, though, because at least you, you know, you can um, at least have a different variety of play during the adventure, right? Because honestly, not everything realistically needs like multiple endings, though. But also, technically speaking, though, that's not true because um, depending on the last character you play as, though, the ending will be different. Well, I say that in the sense of like you're still getting the outcome of you know, if you're playing the A scenario for either character, you only get the the ending where they uh, fade to white from the train, right? Whereas the B scenario shows you them running away from the train as it's blowing up and going outside of the train tunnel. Right? Like a true ending. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so though, it's... but also I might add that the character dialogue is going to be different depending on who your last character is. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's still for the most part, like, the same outcome. Um, whereas, like, and I mean, yeah, you could kind of look at this the same way with like the RE1 endings. Like most of the alternate endings, right? They're just variations of one another, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I think the, at least for me, uh, I like being able to just, you know, like if I did something out of order because I, I knew that I could do this puzzle faster because I knew where to get all the items and whatnot, uh, as opposed to doing it the way that I did it in my initial run to completely change up the scenario and in, in, in the story and maybe determine what the outcome of the ending is based on some of the, my choices. I feel like that's a much better, um, a much better alternative, at least in my eyes. But again, I, I get where, you know, some people might not feel that way. I think, um, all the underlying themes sorry to is, is, is about consequences. Uh, I think it's a stab. It it tries to do it in a couple of ways. Obviously, with the the whole zapping thing, you know, like you 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 go to the underground locker and you know you 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 take one weapon. You know, you got the submachine gun, the side pack, and you think, oh, that'd be useful. I'll take like I'll take them. You take one, and then you got to take the other. And the game's like, well, maybe you should leave this for Claire. You know, stuff like that. But I think it also tries to get that across in like with the plot as well. You know, like the fact that the events in the, the mansion happened and stars got decimated and they came back and said, we have a serious problem and no one listened. Here's the consequences. The town's gone to absolute hell. Um, you know, and other bits and pieces like that. Um, you know, the the UBCS team gets uh, the G sample off of Birkin. In the main process of it, they shoot the fuck out of him. What are the consequences? They all get murdered because he has to inject himself to keep himself alive and that sort of thing. The USS, UBCS, whatever the hell they are, you know, state troopers, anything you want to call them. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So, but I, I think that's it's one of the things as well. I think they try to get across that they, they wanted to. With the story, you know, have everything they wanted to have the idea of the of everything that's happening has a lot more meaning than just you know some incident that happened in a building and it blew up and that's it. They wanted to establish a far greater universe to for for the plot to make sense in, for the plot to live in, and then to have consequences and you know further impacts further down the line with more releases. Here yeah. we are in 2022. We've been we've been in Europe. We've been in Africa. We've been in China. Um, you know, we've been all across the world. I'm sure we'll be on the moon probably with like Resident Evil 11 or there or thereabouts. Um, you know, we'll be having intergalactic adventures with alien races getting turned to zombies by Resident Evil 16. 
you know, and it all started because of this zapping system. So everyone will be grateful for that. No, <laughs> but I'm just saying that it's it, it was cute. Um, I think just on a superficial level, it kind of like made sense because it wanted to give you a, an idea of like, well, if you make life easier now, you're going to make life harder for you later on. But I think it plays into kind of one of the underlying themes of the game as well on the side. I just uh, for interest's sake, is... no. go ahead, Ren, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, one thing I really liked about the uh, zapping mechanic is the fact that it affected other campaigns and certain doors that you can't open unless you do the uh, fingerprint scan. That's Experiment like... Room. Yes, I was going to mention that, I forgot. Yeah, later in the game. Uh, I also like A and B scenarios to the point where I like how when you go into B scenario, the bosses are like sort of growing and developing in mid state. So, um, like I think, Birkin, for example, yeah, Burke variation in a B side. Yeah, he's yeah, like Burke, G3. Burke is a really clever plot device. Yeah, he's like G3 on the train, whereas on the A scenario, I think it's like G2 or something like that. It's, it's very impressive for the evolution of the bosses that you go through. Yeah, and it's a very clever because it use he uses Birkin as like an unofficial like like a timer, like a clock throughout the scenario. So you obviously take on the A scenario and the first time you fight Birkin, he's already pretty heavily messed up. Yet in the B scenario you fight him a lot earlier on when it's only his arms going. He's still reasonably human at that point, you know. Um, and it just gives you trying to give you that that kind of scope of uh, of time progressing throughout the game and the different times that people interact with them and how everything interlinks. Which I thought with first time in ninety nine, I think was really, really cool. I might add also to that. I like how each campaign has its own um, boss fight at the end versus how Remake, for example, did it, where the character mm. face against a particular boss versus you no, know, the scenario or playthrough you're going through, you're facing the boss. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I know I talked about this when we did the, the podcast for that one. I think the, the whole... Oh, they weren't A and B scenarios. They were, what, first and second runs, were they, I think? Uh, technically, they were yeah. technically the same thing, though. It's just like how they were, structurally it was. I mean, they, they were only doing the same thing in, like, name only. It was kind of like yeah. a homage to, like, the A and B scenario stuff of old, but it didn't play out anywhere near like it. My one no. disappointment of that game. But hey. Wait, that's I, uh, I'll probably get into it later. I actually heard a rumor. Just, I'll leave this for the um the actual question later on. But I'm just gonna add into this that I also heard that the whole first and second scenario thing for the uh, sequel. Like I said, there's a question for this later, but I'll elaborate there. Was um was actually added in extremely late into development because of fan request. Yeah, I heard that. Don't know whether it's true or not. Yeah. And. One last thing I was going to add as well while we're here. Um, about the zapping system, I believe there's three moments where the actual actions can have consequences, right? Because I remember the, the scanner was mentioned already. Then you had the locker in the basement, and I believe the last one is the window cord, right? Yes. Where you put it in you, and it lowers the shutters down. Very, very minor thing, but had a surprisingly big impact potentially on the B scenario because it comes. Uh, yeah, the you get the the cord to shut uh, a choice of window corridors, which, to be honest, in the A scenario makes not a blind bit of difference because by the time that event triggers, you never go to those event those areas anyways. But it does have a definite um, impact on the the B scenario where you put it. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. for certain though. I honestly, that's the one thing I actually dislike because it legit does nothing for the second player. It just makes 
things more difficult than it really needs to be. At least you get to choose where it's more difficult. But yeah, true. It was. It, I think there's more of like a, a little bit more of like an afterthought that sort of struck me as something they kind of threw in like last minute. Is like, oh hey, we could do this. This is kind of cool. And it's like, yeah, it's alright. Do not put the core on the west side hallway. For the love of God, it, right. ignore that right. and do it. Uh, Ren's just lying to you. He wants your run to be extremely difficult. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, it's true. Uh, make that um, take that for what you will. Um, make your run as easy as you think it's gonna be, <laughs> or just or just hate yourself. Yeah, um, you know, as you think it's gonna be. <laughs> Or just yeah. go into like all the zombies <laughs> near the basement where you got to go yeah. back like five times. Yeah, and, and before we move on to like, I just want to say like, you know, I don't dislike the idea of the zapping mechanic. I just think that like, as far as um, as it was implemented into by comparison to like how, you know, because I had that bias for RE three and also RE one, um, I think. In the future, if Capcom were to be interested in potentially reviving that mechanic, I I would love to see them you know expand upon it and have more of a consequence to every one of your actions. Um, but a lot of more modern RE games are trying to stray away from having multiple characters in um, in in the fashion that they had in in their older RE titles. So seems seems to be kind of out of out of vogue a little bit for some reason. Yeah, so. But in the future, if they decide to, you know, potentially bring that back and actually try to really focus on um, implementing it in, in different ways they couldn't have before, you know, mm -hmm. I'd like to see them at least make the attempt for it. Okay. Uh, um, everyone's yeah, pretty much hit everything I've wanted to say. Um. I guess. I mean, yeah, zapping system is neat, but did they ever use that system in any of the Capcom game past RE2? Um, they didn't. Uh, I want to no. say zero. But there's also um, they technically do in the Revelations games, but not to the same. Oh yeah, fair. As okay. they did um, but in two. Yeah, no, no, zapping systems. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Can't think of anything. It's, it's a meme. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, that's one thing I want to point out too. Is that I like how goofy the con the in-game continuity is when it comes to like you know doing puzzles and whatnot. Because technically speaking, um, this is worse than remake though. But I'm talking about that right now. I like how when you go around and start unlocking doors or re-unlocking electronic locks, I'm like, I already did this though. So what's going on here? Is that is there like a um like a countdown for the lo the locks to go back on? Has to be some kind of overlap, otherwise you're just you're not playing a game the second time unless you set it somewhere completely different. Oh yeah, I, I get that though. It's just it's just funny having to technically redo stuff that already had been done. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. It's one of those um, suspension of disbelief things for the sake of gameplay. Purely there. But they technically did it right in um earlier in early start of um this scenario, but once you start getting further further into the rebel, like yeah. wait a second, the door should be unlocked. To, yeah, you, you can't just have the first person unlock all the doors for you because then it's just like it's so open ended and you're just gonna put yourself into horrendous spots. So yeah, it's with what was just mentioned there though. There is it it does muddle you up slightly. Because it's like you said, there's you think to yourselves, how are these doors randomly locked again? But if you remember 
the the downstairs the basement segment where you go into the kennel well mm-hmm. say if you use the you use the actual was it the the manhole opener in the a scenario yeah. as whichever character in the b scenario it's on the ground in the kennel as if to indicate oh that character has used it and then potentially you know hypothetically put it down again mm. So you've got you've got an indication towards something like that with that one specific moment, but then you have the RPD where all the doors are magically locked again, which doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, it would take a lot of the core gameplay out of the game if you were having all the doors unlocked on your B scenario, wouldn't it? So you can see why it's there. Which the one one, oh, one thing about that with the zapping system, both of the characters have to touch the computer terminal and unlock doors and all that. Mm-hmm. Why, when they meet up later in the police station, they do not talk about the big zombie face on the computer? Why is that not brought up at any point in time? The little, te- you know, the test icon? Yeah. It's like this screaming zombie face. Why then, hey, it's kind of weird. Like, that that would be my <laughs> first concern. I go into a police station that's all weird and fucked up, and then I see that on the computer. Like, that's, that's no territory, right? Am I alone in that? Uh, they don't want to deal with those like mid two thousands shriekers that you got on the internet when you clicked on stuff. (laughs) Didn't they have like a similar thing with Code Veronica on like one of the computers where you could see like Honk and like some like bio weapons like Mm kind of yeah, there's some pictures of them in the background too and whatnot. Yeah, there is things about. Uh, I guess we're gonna go ahead and move on to number five then. Parkins are. Ah, is it number five? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, who want to read out number five? I can take it. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the general weapons distributed between both Leon and Claire? Not just how effective they may or might not have been game, but the decision to give two different kinds of loadouts with Leon's fairly standard and Claire with several unusual weapon types like the bow gun or the spark shot. Uh, I, I did the weapon um, loadouts for each character. Now, now, there's a clear difference between the two as well. Leon is definitely the um, boss killer. But to be quite honest though, Claire is the um the standard enemy killer, especially with the um, grenade and acid rounds, because those those things one shot practically everything um mm. that she comes across. Because Leon does slightly have to struggle against you know multiple ads at once if you don't have shotgun of course right and you aim is garbage which you know, that's on you. But with Claire, just load up the um the um explosive rounds and go ham. Yeah, I, I feel think... like there's. No, go ahead. Uh, you first. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I think it, it, it in terms of gameplay, like it, yeah, it has uh, impact. I think it has more of an impact than just trying to add like further distinctiveness to the two different characters and like their two different campaigns. If you were playing as either Leon or Claire, uh, right, you have like different kind of campaigns going on. But if you're just using the same handguns and same shotguns and magnums and stuff, like it feels kind of a bit samey. So I think by having the two of them use completely different arsenals um and say Claire's which has some very unorthodox weaponry um i i think to me like it just helped like make the two stand apart from each other uh and that that they um, they're having to like literally scrounge whatever they can find and you know if you're in a zombie apocalypse scrounging whatever you could find and there was a couple of you like you're not going to just find the same weapons all the time you're going to find all sorts of weird things um yeah. to use so you know it's it's a little thing, but I I always appreciate that. 
Yeah, it gave you more of a fresher experience when you're going in for your next scenario. Hmm. Although I will definitely say, like to me, I think Claire's definitely struck me as a lot as a lot trickier to use, but that's just because of the way the weapons are. But Leon just is a point gun pull trigger. Whereas, like, Claire, you've got to be careful with the, the grenade launcher, the different types, the bow gun, you've got to be fairly close. Claire is a lot more technical. I, yeah, the, the spark shot I actually thought was really cool, although you didn't really ever get to use it very much, but I really enjoyed using that. Honestly, I only use it against the zombies, because that's, that's probably the best thing to kill them with. I don't know, yeah, like, taking on, like, doing Claire A with spark shot, taking on Birkin on the on the train battle, like, it's pretty good against him. Yeah, yeah, okay, it is good against Birkin, though. That is true, though. But like, ignoring like the bosses, though, against like normal asshole, it's best to probably use it against zombies because you know, it's, at least you can save up on ammo. The poor ammo, at least on like even stronger enemy types yes. like the liquors. If God forbid you're running out of ammo at some point during this game, which <laughs> right? Yeah, you get way too much. Oh, like God. there are people saying, "Oh, you you don't get a lot of ammo and RE2 and it's survival horror." I had like loads of Magnum ammo, uh, dude. No, hold on. What about picture it? I, I was at. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. That's fine. Good. Now I was just as gonna say with the ammunition because uh, as long as you don't touch don't your know. magnums, your grenade launchers, <laughs> you, see, you end up with a lot of ammo. And then not only that, but like I was gonna bring up the fucking um, gun parts for Leon because mm -hmm. if you use up all the ammo in the gun and then combine the parts, you get an extra you get, magazine. You get for Leon, yeah. You get extra ammo depending on the gun, but. Point being is you get free ammo, so it's like so much fucking ammo in this game. Um, in terms of difficulty, it's like our RE2 is uh is fairly easy to go. I will make a special personal mention to Leon's M1100 custom shotgun as one of my favorite video game weapons of all time. Yeah. Oh, that thing is <laughs> oh, zombies. Yeah. It's so yeah. gigantic shotgun that is so huge, it makes him go backwards when he fires it. No, yeah, I absolutely. love how if you play as Crystal, he doesn't jump back. From yes, Chris, Chris just fires it. Chris just tanks that shit. Yeah, he's like, eh, it's pretty standard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, kind of going back to those weapon parts, I really dug that. I thought that was very, you know, uh, I thought that was very cool because not many games, uh, at, at least at that time, and especially like RE1 didn't do that where you got like different gun parts and combine them to like have some sort of improvements right um so I, I really i really thought that that was a um interesting way to introduce weapon upgrades to to guns that you already had in the game just for the sake of the whole ammo argument may i have a short couple of minute rant here oh boy okay right I have had multiple people that I know say that they have ran short of ammunition on Resident Evil 2, and I mentioned this on Twitter earlier before the podcast. I want to I put this to bed for all of eternity. Now, I'm actually, I've got the, the video up on my Twitter from where I actually went through my inventory at the end of the last playthrough before the stream. I finished with, give me two seconds to rewind the video. Right. I finished with going into, obviously, the Birkin fight, a half-full flamethrower, a, a fully upgraded shotgun with 47 rounds, a fully upgraded magnum with 38 rounds, six full heals, 
and also a load of leftover herbs and about a hundred handgun rounds. And also keep in mind I'd left about two batches of shotgun shells behind, not even gone into the armory, and probably neglected about 150 handgun rounds as well. How do you run out of ammunition? How? Like, legit, I, I killed everything in RPD. Like, literally, I literally ran out of ammo on purpose. And by the time I got to um, the end of the RPD and started um, like, going to the next areas, I stacked up a bunch of ammo again, just like that. Exactly. 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 Yeah, this I game's uh, easy compared to like RE3 or even a lot of other games. Even RE1. This yeah, game even RE1. Easy, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, like, um, it, it was definitely made easier. Um, I, I will say when I first, my first ever run of the B scenario, I did like virtually run out of ammo at one point, like about halfway through. Um, so I can see like how it is possible. But um, regardless, like it, it's it's not a particularly difficult game. I, I have a quick side question. This is not going to take long, but uh, it's relative to this. Uh, so. Considering we talked about like running out of ammo and that in this game you get like loads of it. Is there like a section in this game where people kind of struggle with personally? No, honestly, during my D Rust run, the only spot that I technically struggled with was getting grabbed by the plants because they do a lot of damage and I keep forgetting how to dodge them because they can they have a pretty sizable um grab range. So like if <laughs> if you're not careful though, you you can actually die just from the plant, guys. No, yeah. just by being careless. <laughs> I think also the initial Birkin fight in the beast scenario can also catch you out if you're not paying much attention. You just think, ah, this is pretty easy. Like, he can very easily... Yeah, he hurts, if, though, if, like... If you're not paying attention. Like he's, smack. Very, he's very dangerous. He's a very unassuming boss, but it's definitely very dangerous. For Most me, um, I've always kind of judged RE2 as, like, what is my make or break run? And that's like as soon as you go through the sewers and face Birkin or the G embryo for the first time. Hmm. Um, that to me is the make or break point because I consider that the halfway point of RE2. Uh, if you cannot get past that point, you've basically fucked your run. Somehow. Especially if you're doing no saves or very limited saves, you've basically fucked your run. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's our... the only the only time I can say it was kind of scary to fight. I recently tried doing a no damage run for mm. RE2, and like fighting that fight was pretty uncomfortable because you have to actually fight the little things that come out. You've got to you got to you got to deal with them. You can't just let them run around. It's kind of too dangerous. So, but other than that, nothing too. Uh, not actually completely. Not actually, if you're quick enough, um, and also know how to struggle the enemies, the little G embryo babies, um, you can you, just literally can, kill the boss can. and leave the area. You, you can do definitely, but eh, I was I was trying to be a little bit more careful about it. So maybe I should have just just absolutely blitzed it and run. But we made it regardless. I think I'm gonna be the outlier on this one. But uh, most worrying part of any Resident Evil Two run is um, getting Sherry into the vents. And making sure that as soon as you get into that vent, you start running because if you you can get uh, stun locked by the roaches in there, you're just killed instantly. Oh, that's, that's yeah, true. the that stupidest spot in the game, and that that one mm. single spot has ended a shitload of runs for me. Yeah, that can be a bit ugly. Yeah, I can be sailing clear to that point, and then something loads in the wrong way, or or I'm not fast enough, and just a roach nibbles Sherry to death. Yeah. I didn't know the roaches actually can kill you until somebody explained yep. to me like, yeah, they can um, oh, they actually can. murder you. 
really now mm-hmm. fuck those things i had i got the impression the uh the the source next version like they didn't actually do damage there there's another place too where um like rng will not be in your favor with sherry and that's when they spawn you near the factory and there's no zombies there's dogs so oh that's also God, terrible yes. too that actually ended one of my runs before because um i keep getting yeeted by those damn dogs and Sherry's like super slow and you're like, oh, what the fuck? I can't, I can't outrun these things. So you got to like really get out of there. Like you really got to get in and get out fast because uh, you only have like one healing item and that's it. You got to know the path and otherwise you're, you're, you're done. Yep. The, the part with Sherry, uh, that's actually not RNG related. That is purely related Scenario. to the zapping system. If you're really? playing Claire A, you, if you're playing the A scenario, whoever you are playing as will get dogs. And if it's B, they'll get zombies. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. zapping mm-hmm. dependent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dependent on the scenario. Interesting. Because mm. I thought it was uh, dependent on uh, RNG. But if it is no, like no. scenario A. You get is... R3, Chief. <laughs> no, there, there was no. I don't think there Isn't there RNG in no. R2? Or no, no, no. There was no not. particular RNG of any kind of a- enemy type until like, no, uh, Resident R- 3. RE3 is the one that has the RNG because it has RNG on enemy placement as well as um, yeah RE2 some other things but enemy placement is the biggest one that has RNG I think yeah interesting I think it was RNG on enemy placement and then puzzles have RNG yeah I don't think anything else I might be wrong there might be some other things that have RNG but those two in particular is what I know yeah but, yeah but in r2's case though it's scenario based like for example you know the spot where you gotta get on one of the key cards to open the, um the door in the basement of um our <laughs> of the rpd um and b side you get licorice instead of zombies yep i'll uh oh, yeah. speak my piece on the weapons really quick uh clairs are all neat but suck besides the grenade launcher spark shot i'm kind of whatever on bowgun is terrible um, uh, okay, I'm going to defend the bullgun here. That, oh, that's fine. I, I defend RE zero, so please believe. <laughs> feel free to defend <laughs> no, something bad. Uh, I understand. I will say this though, like against the zombies though, that they're really good. I, I will say that much because um one shot, especially um up close, will kill the zombie immediately. I'll I'll uh, occasionally yeah it'll do that, but most of the time I just I just wishing I had the shotgun. Um. <laughs> With Leon, because Leon solves all his problems by shooting things in his cannon scenario, uh, awesome, because you're just blowing everything up. And it becomes... Claire's is hard, pretty much, not, I mean, comparatively. Claire's is more difficult throughout most of it, because you're using a lot of things that are, besides the pistol, kind of impractical. You know, the bowgun, you need to be kind of close, you don't get a lot of ammo. The grenade launcher, you have a bunch of different rounds to deal with a bunch of situations. Uh, Leon, just once you get your shotgun or your magnum, like, just the game becomes even easier than on Claire scenario, um, even with the tyrant in play. So it's, like, ridiculous. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah, I, I can deal with, like, yeah. most of her weapons personally outside of the spark shot because I, I just can't find any viable use outside of uh, slow burken on the train. So uh, I think one main problem, though, is the fact that, and they kind of fixed this in remake, is the fact that she does not have like weapon parts uh, because it's like you get all these cool guns and whatnot, but you can't upgrade them, so you have to rely on that grenade launcher a lot. 
I admit, you know, it kind of makes sense giving um like hard loadout, right? Cause, yeah. Uh, I mean, aside from maybe the pistol, though, there's not really much you could do with that particular grenade launcher, you know? Well, you know, bow gun explosives, but we don't get that until like yeah. Cove Veronica. They didn't think that far ahead. Yeah, they didn't. Claire does actually get one weapon part in two remake. Yes. She she actually gets a high-powered round upgrade, which is the equivalent of being able to fire magnum rounds from her little revolver. Mm-hmm. And it is actually surprisingly powerful. I, I, I dare say that she probably has the more flexible weapons in the remake, but we'll get to that in a later question. I just for the current question, I, I actually want to, one, come to the Bogun's defense. I'm with Brendel on this one because the place where I finally came to the realization that, oh, holy shit, this thing is actually useful. You guys know the big hallway that always has about six or seven zombies in it, right near the beginning, Blue right at the beginning of the game. Go, that's the one. Yep. I just stood there at one side of it, let rip, emptied the clip, and about five of them went down. It, it pretty much cleared nearly the entire hallway. I also don't disagree that there is a colossal disparity between Claire and Leon's weapons. Like, by about two-thirds of the way through your first kind of go through the RPD, by the time you've got about maybe 20 shotgun rounds put away, and you're pretty much set up like that, you're just throwing the handgun in the trunk, and it's done. Because your answer is, until you get the upgrade to the shotgun, aim up, fire, job done. Or in the case of a liquor, just sidestep it and get out of its way. He... There's, a, there's a tactical element to Claire's weaponry, though, which I do genuinely enjoy. It makes you think. Like, they, they gave you weapons where it... They all have a specific purpose, like zombies are mowed down by the bowgun. Every type of round has a purpose for defeating the larger enemies. Speedrun-wise, she's a lot less friendly because of her weapons, but this just comes from somebody who speedruns the game a hell of a lot. Like, I always prefer Leon A because it's a very, very simple, just a blast through and dodge what you can't blast through, keep your inventory minimalistic, and you're done with a fairly good chance of getting a personal best. Whereas Claire, you've got to consider all the different ammo types, where enemies are, what to use with them, and yeah. Just a a kind of a bit of a segue there, but that's my typical thoughts on the (laughs) sorry, chat. That's my thoughts on the weapons. I prefer the tactical elements, but you know. Okay. Um. Do we have anyone else to um talk about question five? Because I'm I'm gonna move on to six now. Nope. Going once. Going twice. So, all right. Let's go. Uh, I'll go really quick. Just one last little tidbit. Um. You know, I actually do really dig the fact that um they kind of addressed. A bit of an issue with uh, RE1 going into RE2 in terms of having unique weapons because, uh, you know, Chris and Jill for the most part have very similar weapon loadouts with 
one major difference being one of them gets a grenade launcher and the other gets access to a flamethrower, but that's about it, right? Whereas RE2, you have drastically different weapons for both characters. Like, granted, most of them are the same types, but, like, they start deviating or being drastically different in Claire's case. So I, I really dug that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. apologies for... Oh, sorry, just to add on something that Dom said there. I totally forgot the flamethrower. That is actually quite essential for Leon near the end because he's got no reasonable way to counter the plants. So he has to pick that up. There's a trade-off there in that it takes up two inventory slots. And if you don't kill the plants with it, they will keep whipping you while they're on the ground even after you've killed them and they can do a surprising amount of damage. But the flamethrower is actually quite essential. They are. They really are. Anyway, I wasn't used to super shot, you know, but no, that was still take out a decent amount of ammo just to get rid of two of them. Uh, anyway, um, moving to number six. Uh, what do you think about every um every boss within the game, including every mutation of William Birkin? Um, well, my personal opinion, G three is my favorite version of Birkin, though. But I actually got a side question to add on to this as well. But I would tell everybody like finish their um list of bosses. But yeah, fairy boss is G3 Birkin. So I love how, like, as you encounter Birkin, like, how grotesque his evolution becomes. Like, um, in his first form, he's still part, you know, he's still fairly human, but he's got that big G virus eyeball on his right, on his right shoulder, and he's carrying the metal bar and. As you go along, he becomes less and less human. Like, I think in the second and third forms, because I'm looking at the concept art right now, um, you can still see traces of his face, but by the time you get to the fourth and fifth, um, the fourth and final forms, you don't see any type of humanity within this creature. Yeah, like his face just fuses like on his, uh, was it the left side of his ribcage? By the time you see G3, and then, um, Doggle form, which is completely gone. It's fucking amazing how they um nailed the him shifting from human to monster aspect this early. I might add inside um like a PS1 game. Don't get bit by dog Birkin because the fucking health drain is immense. I hate that crap so much. It sucks your droid. Oh yeah, yeah. Essentially, it does. Uh. And I guess the super tyrant was also cool. Like, not a lot of people really, you know, talk about him other than appearance, but he can really mess you up if you're not too careful. Uh, so, and, and it's kind of like the music sets in and it's kind of like spooky and dark, and you're trying to fight for your life while this thing is on fire. So, I thought that was cool. Um, just overall, I think the bosses are okay. They give you a decent amount of challenge, they give you like push and pull as you play this game um but for the most part some of them are really slow like i'm i'm not sure how people die to uh g2 because he just walks so slow in the train and if you're playing with leon you can just blast him with the shotgun no problem you know uh to be fair here though um the bosses hit really hard so it's like a trade-off uh, if you get touched though, you better hope that um they don't continue bubble combo you, because a Birkin um G one you know with the pipe he hurts <laughs> he can actually stun you pretty hard if he um gives like an overhead on uh, hit on you. 
So you gotta be really careful with Burke with the fight. So I can at least um say that much though. Like they hurt for um the lack of speed. Yeah, it's just uh G one can he has that overhead. I, I think Mr. X also has that too, where like if you are not to the ground, he does like a stomp and that'll kill you like instantly. Nice. He's pretty much got a he raises both of his hands and pretty much does like a two-handed hammer swing down on your skull. Yeah. And that's it. it. That's, it that's pretty much it. If, if you're on anything below about 60, I believe it's about 65% health, you're going to be pretty much dead. It does a colossal amount of damage. It's insane. Uh, it will put you in danger. So in other words, one slap room will kill you. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I feel like I'm going to be the exception here in that my two favorite bosses are going to be pretty tame ones compared to what's been mentioned. I actually like Birkin's phase one where he's still, you know, visibly wearing his lab coat and he's just starting to mute it. You get in the B scenario. And I also like... Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I also like mr x in his big green trench coat i will also admit that i have a personal bias because the t102 model tyrant is my favorite resident evil boss so just seeing him around is always fun for me also extra fun when they brought him back into remake but we'll get to that in the in a later question does anybody else like the kind of more tame terrestrial boss or terrestrial Pedestrian. What the hell am I saying terrestrial for? Sorry, guys. It's nearly one in the morning. Thinking uh, of aliens. So yeah. We really should do a <laughs> podcast on Alien. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'd be is, down for that. That is a franchise I'd be down we are for sleeping that. on right now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think the bosses are, uh, mm-hmm. to me, they're, they're a bit more of like experiences and kind of cinematic fights, really, as much as like actual in game boss fights. They're generally pretty easy to deal with. I think they're more there for, like... They, they stick out when you first play the game. They're like, holy Christ, you know, sort of thing. They're very, very noticeable and very memorable. But as far as, like, actual... As a boss fight, I don't think they're anything particularly special. Um, You know, it, it's much more like how they play into the... It plays into the story of what's going on and the carnage that's going on around you, really. That's what sticks both out to me for the boss fights. Also, Tyrant in RE2 doesn't have a hat, so I can't like him anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, it's, uh, it's, it's just not the same now, is it? It's just not the same. Um, so what I was going to say was that I actually, um, you know, as far as, like, the bosses are concerned, I think RE2, RE2 is, um, you know, doesn't really have a whole lot of bosses like uh, RE1, but the difference being is that you've, have to face more bosses or you have to face them more frequently by comparison um so i think that's part of the reason why they thought well maybe we should start dropping a lot of ammo um for those uh new players jumping into re2 without ever having played re1 um you know despite them re-releasing re1 like two times after the fact but anyway um i think like as far as that's concerned like that's not too bad. Um, I I really prefer the way that like the tyrant works in the original RE2 versus how it works in the remake. Um, 
I like having the fa- I like the idea of having to face this like you know menacing big grunt of a bioweapon essentially right uh and and risking potential death loss of a lot of health items loss of potentially a lot of ammunition but also being rewarded for going out of your way to um fight him for the longest time uh actually i did not know that killing uh the mr x would uh result in you getting like extra specialized ammo uh i only found that out like maybe um like six years ago or so so like maybe a little bit less than that but like you know still i i just always thought that that was cool and that was way more worth it than having um you know how it is alternatively in the remake where you can't kill him at all you can only stun him for a few seconds the um bosses in og2 they're cool looking but they all just kind of suck um it (laughs) As much praise as I give those games and as much as I stand by them, I'll I'll always submit to the notion that the bosses are like run up to them and basically shoot them with your most powerful gun as many times as possible to get them down as quick as possible. That being said, um, the way they're designed is friggin' awesome. Like, great boss design stuck with me, especially the, uh, the train fight at the end of Leon's scenario. Um... All that stuff really good, but yeah, it's just like boss design for Capcom games at that point was run up and shoot like faster and faster. So I don't know. They're spectacles. That's what yeah, they basically. are. Basically, it, yeah. it, it's it's like a movie come to it. life. It's yeah. It's, and to be honest, I think it's probably best that way. You know, nineteen ninety eight. You're not going to be able to have these awfully complicated boss fights. Like it just didn't exist. The technology wasn't there. You know, you can't have like these, you no know, full live, like multiple part boss fights. Like you'd shoot the legs to kind of wound it, sort of thing. It, it just, you didn't really have that then. So it was more about like it being, leaving an impression and just looking the part. And I think for yeah. that, on that scope, it was an absolute complete success. How, how do you think the developers feel knowing that some people have gone through some of these games, especially like RE2? running around with just the knife only beating bosses that they were intending to be kind of like pace breakers for the game. I mean, uh, I imagine it'd be okay, it has it? been, it's been 20 <laughs> years. Like it's probably not the biggest surprise to them. They might be a little bit disappointed maybe, but yeah. But, then, but I mean like, you know, maybe like a couple of years back, like say 10 years earlier, right. Or maybe even 20 years earlier when, you know, YouTube just started becoming a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you well, think that I, might have been? I imagine they would be shouting if someone's willing enough or stupid enough to use a knife only, right? To a point yeah. where they force yeah, right. you Who, to do what knife only. dumb person would think they'd go through almost every single Resident Evil game with a knife? I mean, what a yeah, what like, kind of uh, moron have you got to be to think that's a good idea? Right, right. I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking more so in the sense of, like, before they started kind of acknowledging the fact that part of the community like loves going around using a knife only or doing melee run only, uh, I, I'm just kind of curious how you all think they might have you know reacted to that. At, I like, think they probably admire it, and they 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 you know to see to what extent like you can kind of do things that they hadn't planned or intended for. And when you do these, to be fair, when you do these kind of runs, like um, like having done Resident Evil, I did like Resident Evil Five base handgun only, no upgrades sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, only a couple of months ago. Like it throws up these weird situations that you never encounter in the main game because 
you're not just supposed to be doing this and it makes these weird spots where like something that you'd think is pretty nice and casual and easy to deal with is suddenly like a real arduous task mm-hmm. um and you're having to find kind of creative solutions to get around things re4 especially had a few of those i seem to remember you know just these these most mundane encounters when you just walk in with like an upgraded black tail or something and just blast away and suddenly it's like a miniature boss fight because you're just getting swarmed and trying to find your ways around that so uh, I think there's probably a degree of fascination in like seeing their games being played in ways that definitely not designed, but just makes these situations come up that you'd never experience otherwise. <laughs> well, like I said, just now, like I'm pretty sure they're, they're shocked at the time, but it's like, eh, cool. Someone did it, they did it. <laughs> but actually, I got a question to add on about, about this boss fight stuff. Um, um, before we start this cast, though, I did a little um, homework for certain things, and I came across this YouTuber. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to make it seem like I was typing or anything. Like you're shilling. Yeah. Sure. I do it all the time. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not shilling. No, I ain't doing that shit. No, go ahead. Shill away, man. I'm good. All right. We'll catch your nigga off it up at right now. It's on Twitter. I'm just kidding. Shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, the, the YouTuber question said, like, the boss fight in Resident Evil. Um, Two in particular, he doesn't like them. He said it sucked, right? And also the same thing for the remake, right? But that's irrelevant. He said like the game, if the game had um, boss fights though, it would have been fine or better off. Would you guys agree with that sentiment? Because personally, no, I don't. No. Needed I, so, uh, I need to ask some context. Is this the first time this guy played this game? Uh, no, he's um, and let's say I have it Resident Evil Two fan. <laughs> Page you like that. Hmm. I mean, it depends what you're looking for. I mean, like, if you're looking for sort of challenging and kind of, like, creative boss fights, RE2 is not really the place for that. It's not what they were made and designed for. They were designed to be, you know, identifiable, story, plot-driven spectacles, and that's exactly what they were, just, like, over-the-top, you know, the ridiculous mutations going on and the story of Birkin and, like, the tragedy of that, and at the end you just... Just this yeah, ridiculous yeah. firepower required to finally put him away. That's all it was meant to be. So if well, you're going to criticize the... it from grounds other than that, then I think you're slightly missing the point. But well, that's not the literary point I was getting at, though. Like, if Resident Evil 2 didn't have his boss fights, whether you like him or not, though, the game wouldn't have a lot of memorable moments on top of um, what's already there. Like, honestly, you cannot have Resident Evil without boss fights. I think, you can't, I think the other issue it's, it's... that I, I personally have with that statement is that, um, well, aside from the fact that you'd be losing a lot of memorable moments, uh, and just, you know, depending on how your runs go, you have a story to tell about those boss fights when you first encounter them, right? But, but I think, like, um, just the idea of having no boss fights in RE2, um, I feel like that ends up, uh, lessening the significance of the overall story and also just uh you know lessens the amount of lore that we get in an RE game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kissing point Burke himself, like like um I think you and Shadow said like he's the story to tell. Um every time you fight him he just um yeah, he, progressively gets stronger. Device. He's and he tells his own story in that the different times you fight him and the different states you fight him. You know, it is it's its own plot. So, um, and besides, Resident Evils are usually games of kind of like build it, trying to at least trying to build up like tension and whatever else. And you have to have these these large encounters as kind of like semi blow offs. 
um, every now and again. Like, you kind of have to do that. They're, they're mid-game kind of drivers, meant to be sort of challenges for all this weaponry you're amassing. If you were just going around fighting zombies and dogs all day, you'd be, you'd be bored to tears. You have to have something different. And when you've got a world of all these, this, this virus that's mutating all these things in all these crazy ways, why wouldn't you use the opportunity to, like, say, some of them reacted crazily and are now, like, these big, massive things, and they're going to be obstacles that you have to deal with? Okay, this, to me, this doesn't make sense for two reasons. Number one is that, uh, why would you take out what is traditional two video games which is boss fights like why would you traditional i I just say not just that i mean look at movies movies do it all the time i i know but my point is basically like it's what gaming is known for and whether the boss is good or bad is like well still they're an obstacle they are there for you to test your skills with everything you learn in the game so far uh why would they take out something core to the experience itself especially if it pushes the story um the other thing is that uh when this guy said this and made this comment there are bosses in the original game so like i said good or bad people are going to have that expectation it was in the first game now it's got to be in the second one Mm-hmm. It's definitely like one of the most. Oh, sorry, you go ahead. It's fine. As I, like, imagine going from point A to point B without facing some form of obstacle, right? Because we already criticized Resident Evil Two for being piss easy, right? So imagine there's no boss fights, right? The game would be even more easy on top of that to a point where it's virtually no challenge. Like at that point, you would be your worst enemy when it comes to certain enemy types. You know, like the um, plant guys. Like I mentioned, they can't kill you because they do a lot of damage, though. But that would mostly come from human error versus you no. Know, at least have some form of extra struggle against you no know, guys like Birkins. I think the other issue too is that you then make a essentially a generic zombie game. Because mm-hmm. like really think mm-hmm. about it. Before before any other zombie like game had come out, Ari was very different in the sense that you had all these different mutations and you know no pun intended biohazards, right? Um, that like it stood out like yeah you could you could definitely point out some of the like inspiration and references but like for the most part it was very unique because you didn't have like plant monsters right in a you know john carpenter or not john carpenter george romero i don't know why i thought john carpenter george romero zombie flick right you wouldn't have had that you would have just had regular ass zombies uh so it's when you really think about that in the perspective of like you know comparing that to a movie or like comparing that to potentially another game that could have come out at that time right that they decided well we want to make a zombie game but uh we're only gonna have zombies it would be really boring really fast if you if you want to play that go play walking dead survival instinct that's all i'd say oh my god not that thing (laughs) but i speak the truth right you speak the truth, all right. It's it's dreadful. Yeah. Um, I'm looking up right now to see if there's any other games like prior to Resident Evil. Um, the first zombie game that was released was Zombie Zombie back in 1984 in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way before my time. Mm-hmm. Way before mine too. And then uh, zombie games really didn't become prevalent until Resident Evil came out, and I. In that same year, uh, House of the Dead as well. Love House of the Dead. 
Yeah, and, and House of the Dead is, you know, like another great example. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to play House of the Dead if it only had zombies. Right? Like it'd just be instantly boring if there was no challenge to it. That's why it has to differentiate itself from most other mediums that include zombies. It's it's all about pacing, right? Like you know, like yeah, fighting just zombies, you could do that. But if you're just going through, yeah, there's no sense of pace. At least the boss fights and you know, really any series, they kind of break things up a little bit, you know, yeah. give you a little set piece, kind of reset things, up the stakes a little whatever. Um, you know, it's it's basic construction in almost any kind of media that you present a story in. Uh you want to kind of break it up into acts. It's definitely one of the most bizarre things I have ever heard, you know, taking bosses out of a video game. Not only that, but in terms of a, an actual gratification perspective for the player, you're also cheapening their playing experience because I'm going to go on a broader scale here outside of Resident Evil because most of us, at least as far as two go, have played the have played the game so many times that you're not going to get an overwhelming sense of gratification by by defeating the bosses. They they have a natural you know purpose in terms of the inclusion and the pacing of the game. I'm going to put this one into perspective because a few of you might know I'm a huge fan of this series already. Can you imagine Bloodborne or Dark Souls without the bosses in it? No, absolutely not. Like, it would be unreal. I can actually do you one better for other Capcom fans out there. If imagine Don't. if Mega Man, Devil May Cry, or Onimusha did not have um um boss fights in it, that would make a completely different game for each of the series. You gotta would, have them. In totally Me- would. You, you gotta have them in Mega Man. There's no other way because that's how you get their powers and have that gratification. Oh, I beat this guy. I can use his stuff against other enemies. So. And, and I mean, some of that has also happened. Like you beat a boss in RE and then you move on, you get a more powerful weapon and then you fight another boss with it. That's the idea of like surviving and conserving ammo. So if that gratification is gone, then what else is there left? It's just weird. It's just all weird no, just, to me. Just shoot the zombie. Shut up. <laughs> just shoot yeah, the zombie I, I, and get it over. I with. was gonna say too with that like Mega Man example. Like, isn't Mega Man even like known for its difficult bosses? Like, oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. mm-hmm. like you know, isn't mm-hmm. that kind of weird to just say like, yeah, like let's not have bosses in our games? Granted, there are some games you don't have bosses. It, there's no enemies. It's just you know, it could be a puzzle game. It could be. Anything else that you could really think of, right? But or the like, game is all bosses. Right, right. So, like, <laughs> boss rush. That being said, like, you know, I just don't think that the idea of like RE2 not having bosses or any other RE not having bosses, like, that that would be in any way unique per se. The bosses make RE stand out for what it is. I mean, and, and yeah, it's like you also avoid player, fit. I mean, they're short games but you avoid fatigue by kind of breaking things up a little bit. Like you said, you're just fighting zombies the whole way through. You could tell a really good story doing that, just fighting very standard kind of enemies. But, you know, a a boss fight will break things up. Now, if you have like a really kind of pure experience, like I'm going to, I'm going to be that old guy again. I'm going to say doom. 
like doom even in doom with standard enemies you have them as bosses before you face them kind of in the regular rotation like doom one you're fighting barons of hell the two baron brothers essentially as a boss and then they kind of get rolled into the mix um i mean there's even boss fights in that so you just use it to break things up a little bit you know you don't want to crunch through the same thing over and over and over again without some kind of boss or some kind of narrative break point or something where you know you kind of it, it's all peaks and valleys right you you bring the action up to the height or the story up to the height and then you go back down and you do it again and again until you reach the conclusion of your story yep so uh by the log- go- i'm just gonna say by the logic of what this um what this person said as well you know, if you're complaining about the bosses in one game, by proxy, aren't you basically criticizing the, the fundamental structure of gaming in general just by making such a, a, a statement like that? Like, it, I, I, I want to add on to this. I think there's going to always be bosses, especially in RE, that we don't like. Uh, there's, like, Wesker in RE5 where it's like, uh yeah, his end boss where he has Ouroboros, he can go straight to hell on professional, especially if you're playing a shovel. But that's the fundamental of the game. When you reach that point, that's the conclusion. Uh this is the legacy big bad in the series. How are we gonna stop him? Uh without any of that context, it would be ruined. So I think once again, whoever said this is something they really didn't think over. But I want to say, uh, before we move on to the next question, uh, anyone has anything else to say before we move on? Yeah, this dude sounds like a kind of scumbag. What's his name? Let me hear his name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing, just one thing. What part of the internet does he hang out at? <laughs> that's that's what people are wanting to know. No, uh, I, I actually, I, I like Birkin transforming. I mean, I don't like the battles all the way, but I mean, some of his fights are cool. You know, I don't, I don't fully dislike it. So, yeah, I can I read off number seven since I, th- I think we pretty much covered this uh, topic. I think Shadow has oh, to go. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got to get going, kids. I got, a, I got too much shit to do tomorrow. So outro. Oh, oh, so yeah. So thank you for the company. Uh, those watching, you can find me at YouTube, uh, Black Shadow Nine Nine Three, also on Twitch as well, Black Underscore Arts Shadow Underscore Nine Nine Three. Um, and also before I go, I do want to make a special shout out over to uh, Kimozo, uh, Kimizo even over on a uh, ModDB for creating. One of possibly my favorite mods for a Resident Evil game I've ever played in my life, being the Resident Evil 2 Origin of Species mod. Wasn't as keen on the one for RE3, but Origin of Species, if anyone here has never played it, you absolutely must give it a go. One of, I think, the best mods, like overhaul mods to a Resident Evil game I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you it well. It's been nice having you on board. Yeah, I'll see sure. you again in the future. I'll catch y'all soon. Yep. See you, Shadow. See ya. Anyway, um, I can go on and read number seven if we 
We're good on number one six. One very small thing. Just yes. one very small thing. You all forgot Alligator Senpai, and he wants you to notice him. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay Way you know leave. what? You know what? I will say something about that really quick. I'm glad you brought that shit up, okay? Let me <laughs> say something about that. Um, I hate how the community made such a big deal over the alligator boss fight, but didn't make any sort of fuss over the moth when they both have the <laughs> same amount of significance in, in RE2 in that they are so insignificant to the overall plot and story of the game. I'm just saying, Thank like, you. if people Thank were going to complain about up. the fucking alligator, you're going to have to argue for the moth, and they didn't. So I'm, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, no cap Oh, no cap, they actually missed the opportunity to bring it to Moth. Because, like, imagine that thing being big as fuck and you got shoot out of the sky and whatnot. I, like, ima I imagine by that point I would have killed him. I was gonna say, too, like, imagine if they did that based on scenario as well. Where they could have had it where, you know, it was in Claire's scenario, but not Leon's. Therefore, mm -hmm. you know, and vice versa, where Claire wouldn't have to deal with the alligator, but she would have the moth to deal with. Like, I feel like that would have been great. Yeah, yes. it's such a shame that they had that they didn't add that in for the remake. But at I the same like time, at the same time, I can understand why people were like, well, this boss was easy to begin with, and I don't know any other way they could have done it. Like, by the end of the game, I have like a full arsenal, so... If that thing came swooping down, he would have to be like outbreak level annoying where they could poison you. And I know that's like, you know, I have to deal you know with poison, what? but that's like more challenge. They, so I don't mind. They, they could you have know? made it. They could have made it as annoying as the moth in uh, DMC 2. Oh, God, no. <laughs> How dare you evoke that See? name on this podcast? You can tell me you just missed Dom, I, there. Dom, I will ban you for life if you do that again. <laughs> There's a missed opportunity with that moth. Like, they could have, you know, brought it back in the remake and added the poison attribute to it, and then we'd all get screwed. Yeah. I like how somebody posted, uh, Brandon posted angry moth noises. Yeah, that's exactly how I fucking feel right now. <laughs> God. Give me my moth, damn it. <laughs> anyway, that aside, let's talk about number seven. Uh, RE2 has a swath of extra content to be unlocked or that could be unlocked by beating the game. Um, you know, under special conditions like Fourth Survivor, Tofu Survivor, special weapons. Uh, being able to fight a zombie Brad, which, um, you know, is some interesting um, cross-references between RE1 and and 2, and also technically 3, because you see what happens in RE3. Um, some versions of the game also include, uh, and this is specifically the uh, DualShock version, um, that include extra stuff like the battle game, DualShock support, nightmare mode for the dreamcast version uh what what memories do you have of this stuff do you agree that this had a big impact on the future games including extra game modes and such um and my response would be yes i think that whenever capcom does a re-release of any of their games capcom generally speaking not all the time but generally speaking when they do a re-release of any of their games and they include new modes and stuff like that it's always been a great little addition to have. Um, strictly speaking for Ari, I've I've always liked it when they've added in stuff like, um, you know, 
battle mode or mercenaries if they've expanded on anything else like raid mode in revelations one with certain ports of revelations one things of that nature i think that that stuff is really cool and i, I think that makes re2 in and on itself stand out um granted re1 did some of this stuff too beforehand with some of its ports but re2 really stands out the most i think because mo most people when they talk about extra modes they look specifically to re2 the um the thing about re2 having extra modes the uh the running theme i think one of the things that attracted me to re2 and i guess capcom games in general kind of at that point in my life is that there was always a kind of weirder way to ways to play them after you were finished with them whether it's you know you're unlocking weird stuff like weapons where you know you're playing as a giant block of tofu in the case of resident evil 2 um we you know battle modes or unlimited ammo modes or anything like that um always enjoyable so i kind of i kind of knew at least for playstation era capcom Anytime I picked up one of those games, I'd be in for like a massive treat as far as not only it being a, a goofy romp that would last a couple hours, I could get it done in an afternoon, but uh, then I would have a reason to keep playing it because of things that introduced either into the main game or in a side game. I mean, the, like I, I miss the days where um, Capcom games had like regular side and kind of alternate end content. Those are the best. Yeah, yeah. Now you look at uh like remake and it has like virtually nothing compared to these other re-releases of RE2. Those survivors sucked. Yeah, I oh, was that bad. Yeah, yeah, I, it wasn't. Yeah, good. it's I'm really sorry. bad. Huh. It was. But, you know, at least, it, at least it had a extra mode, unlike you no, know, its sequel. But such the, the only thing I will give Ghost Survivor and Remake is that they introduced the Paleheads, which ended up getting oh. retconned into RE3 Remake. I'll say the Paleheads uh, suck. I wish they didn't um, retcon them all. I, I well, suck so much. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm an, I'm that one person that will fucking advocate for really dumb enemies just because I like the lore for those enemies, even though I might hate fighting them. So in that regard, I really like that just because, you know, it was like, hey, it's kind of like Crimson Heads, but they're unique in their own way. Right? White. Granted, I would have preferred Crimson Heads, but Capcom cucked me on both remakes, so. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, two remake and three remake have been pretty much developed back to back. So they probably took the pale heads out of three remake and shoved them into two remakes DLC. <laughs> Yeah, that's for, cool. For Ghost Survivors, would you guys wanted to have seen a Marvin campaign, like a yes. worst scenario? If he's and okay. anything better yeah, than like was, Marvin that was, was that very... playable. Thank you. Anything better than Marvin like, great... is awesome. Anything was like better than great text, and they just send you on your way. I'm like, uh, that was wasted potential. Uh, as for the topic at hand, I enjoyed the extra modes. Granted, uh, you have to be really good at extreme battle level three because I got to a corner with spiders. I was fighting them and it was brutal. No, they were was, fighting you. It, it was rough. I was like almost a danger. I'm like, uh, web spinners do this? Like, okay, then, okay, on this mode. Uh, outside of that, I found Tofu Survivor to be way too hard for me on both like remake and the original and hunk is just 
hunk mode but it's harder in the original because of the room placement i'm not like really familiar with it so zombies on the floor hunk has like less ammo it feels like to me and all this other stuff so i'm like whatever uh but it was it's cool they added it in I feel like Honk was harder than a remake, honestly, because there's way more um, stuff that you get to they throw at you. The end is uh, pretty much nut cancer, so I mean, I'm not disagreeing there. Mm-hmm. You got like G embryos outside trying to hunt you down. It's like the same the thing, fuck? just so much difficult crap in the rooms. But go ahead, yeah, Brandon. Fuck, I'm noxious. I don't know. Oh yeah, fuck the plant guys in RE2 remake, but that's relevant. <laughs> uh, I, I, I got asked, so um, I'm guessing everybody went on question seven. Uh, I huh? I was just gonna say I found um sorry, really struggling to find the words. It's late at night. Yeah, I found fourth survivor really, really hard. And to this day, this might surprise you considering I have I speed run the main game on a very regular basis i have still not beaten fourth survivor to this day me neither i I have not beaten the original i I can't do it i can't do it it's too hard i really struggle oh you know it makes you feel any better just use the infinite ammo cheat and call it a day (laughs) (laughs) that would be a way to do it but then just like just like that time ea talked about the pink darth vader where is my sense of pride and accomplishment or or check this out you play as hunk and you feel guilty about all the killing and horrible things you've done for umbrella you let the zombies kill you and then you agree with them and shut the game off you've beat it (laughs) (laughs) i feel bad for hunk though like hunk kind of got screwed over like he was trying to capture birkin alive and you know he was doing his thing and then his teammate like shot the guy so he's kind of in the middle of some stupidity with that one his teammates are incompetent, but you know what? This is why he's the only person to never die on his unit every single time. This and is then true. you see him in uh, Operation Raccoon City. The best resident. You that game is a cannon, <laughs> so I don't oh, oh, the best resident. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you know, and, and oh, I'm, really, I'm really gonna, disappointed nice, since like, you all brought up Punk, by the way. Um, I'm really disappointed that like they never try to do anything with Hunk after RE2 and like Revelations 1 was originally going to do something with Hunk and they just decided to scrap it all together. I think the last time we hear about Hunk is in Code Veronica and like one of the texts that you read in the beginning of the game, but I think Canonic- that's about it. Canonically yeah, speaking, the last canonical thing that he's in is Umbrella Core. You're the soldier that you're playing in Umbrella Corps, that's him. Oh my god. Because that game is partial canon, so. Oh dear. Allegedly. Alright, uh, what question are we on? Number seven still? Yeah. Okay, um, alright, um, this is actually going on the technical side of things of each port. Um, which port do you guys often play with? Uh, is it the GameCube, PS1, N64, if you're crazy? Right, which one is this? Well, that's Drill's version, but he's not here, so... <laughs> that, Honestly, that I, I played it. is impressive. Yeah, it is impressive on a technical standpoint, because how they, you know, did everything, though. But it's still the worst version to play Resident Evil 2 on. Dude, sorry, I like... Just, the I, cut, I can't do it. The cutscene with, like, it's the audio for starters. Like, I understand they did everything to fix it, but 
it sounds like they're talking through tubas and the other thing is that uh the ada cutscene where she talks to annette that is forever bork because um i think that's like clara's voice or vice versa i i forget but it's fucked up yeah um, um, when you play as ada her voice line is from Claire for some reason yeah so she oh, magically yeah. spawned there just that. to speak <laughs> I, I was gonna say um Jared from uh, Avalanche Reviews, he did a fantastic video covering all the ports of RE2. Mm. And, um, you know, of all the ports that are probably, you know, going to be of interest to anybody, it's going to, you're going to want to look into, you know, obviously the uh, Source Next PC port, the uh, GameCube port, and then also the Dreamcast port. Those are the three ports that are um the most eye-catching because from a visual standpoint they look the best uh and from a technical standpoint they they run the best i uh i i'll sing this thing praises since i first came to the server and i'll continue to do so now the emulated gamecube port that runs a seamless hd is mm. like my favorite way to play the game now and and i get that there are purists out there that'll play it kind of on the og systems and all that and i respect that but all the crazy AI upscaling um, for all the pre-rendered backgrounds and all that. Um, to divert a little bit, I played the Final Fantasy VII Remaco, which is the um, like the HD. They did the same thing. It's AI upscaling and all that for all the pre-rendered backgrounds. And I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. So when a Resident Evil project came along that was doing that, I like pissed my pants. I was so excited. And uh, it does not disappoint for someone that has big old nostalgia goggles on for that series. So, mm -hmm. the one I, I play was... is actually a. I was just going to say it very quickly. The one that I play is actually a very odd one, and it's going to be the outlier here. And it's the it's the PSN version, which it, on the PS3, which is the North American DualShock version. And there's a very specific reason for this. I don't know if any of you guys are aware, but European PAL versions are actually disqualified from speedrunning. Really now? Because, because of because of differences in frame rate and the game's internal clock calculation system. Oh, okay, it that makes sense. I did not yeah. know that there's even a difference. So the only way for me to be able to speedrun it is if I play the PSN version, which is the North American DualShock, because it takes me too much time to get out and plug in any of my other consoles. I have them, but it's far easy to just put a standalone capture card into the PS3 and do it that way. That and having 60 hertz is... um. A lot of Europeans can't tell the difference between 50 hertz and 60 hertz, but once you've seen it, you can tell the difference. Like, your games run markably faster than ours do on, like, OGPS1 hardware. And it's... The game that made that very obvious to me is actually Tekken 3. Uh, the... I'm, uh, very... I was just going to say, it's a very small digression. But the, the European version of Tekken 3 is crap compared to the North American one because it's running at 50 hertz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that's I was, the version I play. <laughs> I was going to say real quick, uh, one, one cool thing that was pointed out here was the fact that if you change into alternate costumes with Leon, 
his sort of gun stance changes he, he tries to do the whole uh sideways og gangster in the hood Yo, the sideways uh, one is the best way for if you're not using the until the upgrade that's literally the best way to use the gun because he shoots a lot faster yeah better rate yeah. of fire too so I, I really love that um and then there's the cool stuff they added in n64 where it's like because i'm sure our, our resident expert in nintendo is not here so i'm sure that people probably aren't aware of the files that link like all the other games in the series where they talk about um ex stuff uh, i think there's police reports from marvin i think there's also some linking of re2 and re3 because i heard a rumor that they wanted to do an n64 version of re3 but they scrapped it uh so uh, that i cannot confirm myself yeah i never heard anything about that i i can't confirm or deny but that's the reason why they put these like ex files in there to better link the series uh so that's pretty cool that they did that changing the blood and also a lot of new costumes that we never seen in any other version outside of the n64 but it i mean it is uh, for all I mean, intents that, and purposes it's a miracle that it was made yeah it, it is most definitely a um good um like from a technical standpoint like how they did it though it's definitely the impossible port that's done it's really impressive how to get a done though but i just cannot recommend this version even with the little nuances the sound if you're curious about it go right ahead and try it out though but no not the effective way to play resident evil 2. the sound is going to get under your skin uh sooner or later i, I know it did for me i'm like well, why does everyone sound like they're eating i don't know pretzels and trying to talk like it, it was super weird at least the music very crushed. On point. Mm -hmm. It's really exactly. crushed and compressed, right? Yep. Yeah, it's really, 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 really compressed. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but can we move on to the uh, next one? I was just going to say really mm -hmm. quick, um, but, you know, also, too, in regards to, like, N64-related stuff with RE2, because uh, RE0 was originally going to be on N64 exclusively. Um, so they added in that additional file with, like, Billy, for example. Um, I don't know if they were ever planning on also porting RE1 on N64. I'm not sure if that would have worked out or if uh, if that's something that would have translated very well as a port. Uh, would have been interesting to see, though, I, I think. But, um, you know, after the GameCube got announced, they just decided, fuck it, we're, gonna, we're just going to do that game from the ground up with the new hardware and also remake one, even though remake and zero don't even connect as well as what re0 was originally going to do also a uh, correction capcom did want to do more ports for n64 but after re0 they said fuck it yeah thank yeah. god yeah but because uh that's in the developer diaries of re0 they did want to do more interesting so there was a likelihood that we would have seen like re re1 and re3 make it over as well yeah but when they when they got to zero that's when they started to realize uh the technology really isn't here so we got to move on to gamecube so i guess we can move on to the next question uh, yep. yep yep okay question number eight i guess i could read that i haven't read anything so 
uh let's take a second to talk about the overarching storyline of re2 clearly they wanted to make the outbreak seem much larger and have a further impact than the original game's isolated incident what do you think of the events from beginning to end especially with the new g virus strain well when you think about how it all how it started and it spread to raccoon city you know with the water being contaminated and the rats like when you think about it realistically that's actually pretty terrifying yeah, i mean especially what's going on in real life right now though it's not it's not far off <laughs> yeah uh, it's scary because close. it's scary because i think the mercenaries knew or or the people who knew the outbreak was going on but everyone else was like none the wiser in raccoon city Yeah. You actually, uh, if I recall right, it was only like the stars members and anybody like higher up in Umbrella that was aware of what was going on. Yeah, because they were okay, no, as wait, far as, as, far as like, go on. Wait, you talking about the G um or the T virus outbreak in two, or are you just talking about them knowing what happened in Resident Evil One? Because as far as I'm talking about, just though, the outbreak. Because remember, they were also reporting the incidents in the like Arclay Mountains. Because that's mm-hmm. technically okay. where that outbreak was starting. Well, yeah, from the alkali stuff, like, yeah, that was people knew that things were going on though, but they didn't know that there was a virus. Yeah, they didn't know it was a virus. They only but, they only thought it was like bizarre murders occurring with like some weird cult going on because people were getting like devoured and whatnot, but they didn't know yeah. that it was actually a virus. But the water, they didn't yes, know anything but, about. Yeah, for Resident Evil Two's case, mm-hmm. no, nobody knew about it other than the, literally the people that were there, which is Birkin and the Hunk's team. Um, everything happened happened no after um all that happened so nobody knew where that came from i mean can you imagine like waking up one day and you go to your bathroom you see like your hair is falling out and you're you're like bleeding from certain orifices and like you just feel itchy and taste uh you know hungry and tasty (laughs) Scratchy. You're, ta- you're talking about my 34th birthday. That was just in <laughs> a life right there. Oof. Oof. And like you don't know like why. Like you know some there's something wrong. There's something going on, but you don't you're none the wiser as to why it's going on when, you know, really it's your water that's been contaminated. I mean, to be fair, if I was to put a lighter spin on this and I was in that position where I found that my hair was falling out and I was having a supremely bad case of itchy tasty, my my first reaction would be to probably contact my doctor about some male pattern baldness treatment and go get a subway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 But well, you, seriously, though, seriously relating to this question, you do see it from the everyday people's point of view not necessarily through two directly outbreak is a very good example of this first scenario they're all at the bar you see bob um one of the security guards and he falls off his chair and he's sick and you later find out through notes and things that have been left behind he was drinking the contaminated water so it was none the wiser but you do see a reference to it happening in a in a spin-off title and it is canon so if i'm not mistaken too like that even was happening in like re1 in the mansion where they were drinking contaminated water and also getting exposed through the uh, lab coats 
and among other things. I didn't think but, about uh, that. Yeah, among other things too, they got exposed to. So like, it was, it's weird how it took so long for it to get the way it was though. But despite the fact that everything is technically closed off. Like, but uh, I'm sorry. What? No, I, I don't want to get too real worldy here, but right. <sighs> I'm thinking from a technical point of view, okay? Given how quickly a certain thing shot around the world in real life, would it really take about three and a half months for a waterborne virus to have that much of an impact on a city full of people, or would it have been far quicker? Mm. I honestly think they did that to move the plot in gears. Uh, what's the question? Okay, so remember, uh, this is a town in the Midwest, so we cannot make too many assumptions about oh, the, yeah. uh, the, the question was, bro. Yeah, just quickly asked because a certain real life virus shot around the world at a at a rate of knots. Do you really think it would take three months for a waterborne virus to uh, um to in, infect Raccoon City like it did, or it would be quicker mm, or slower? No, Nowadays, no. No. Mm. Maybe back in the day, and that's really, really, really stretching it. But today, no. Especially if it's waterborne. No, granted, though, it will take less time than a more, like, say, airborne type thing. Maybe. I might be wrong about that. But, uh, yeah, like, no. It will spread much quicker. Also, I want to uh, throw this question out for you guys, because some people know the answer and others don't. Does anyone happen to know where, like, the Arkley Mountains in Raccoon City is actually supposedly located? Um, It's supposed to be a Midwestern hmm. town, so... Yeah, very near it because that's how they heard of the original murder reports. um, There's an official map that Capcom released for RE uh, remake and RE zero. Um, this is when they were trying to hype up. Uh, they were hyping up a campaign for RE remake. It was called like the Contagion event, and that's how we got the BSAA costumes for remake. Uh, and they mm. did a similar thing for RE0, although I think RE0's case, there wasn't anything unlocked and all the costumes they added were DLC. Um, but they did release an official, like, Raccoon City map where you can see where the Arclay Mountains are in comparison to the actual city. It's if close. I can find it, I'll, I'll post yeah. it in chat. Thank you. It's- so there's some debate about it there because some people are saying that it's like in real life it would be located in missouri and then others are saying it would be located in pennsylvania which granted no, is not a midwestern town no. but it, yeah there's argument about that as the game lore states it's in raccoon city so arclay mountains is like close yeah it's close like i'll say there is is a game i want to say umbrella chronicles there's actually a shot of you see somehow i don't know i don't know just explain this so somehow you guys you can see raccoon city from the from the point of view of the entrance of the mansion i would say that doesn't seem making any sense though but no no i was talking about like what state it would actually oh yes state. oh um there's no answer for that just a town in midwest though so only uh, kind of clue you get too is that it borders a desert so it has to border a, a desert state. And, it borders uh, a desert. Yeah, sweet man. Because when you know they when they you end RE two, both Leon yeah, and Claire are out, out of the, the tunnel, the... right? And they're out in the desert. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you got a point. 
Like, does does anybody have any real indications? Because as as somebody who only knows and has only spent time in like the American South, my my like geography of, of your wider country is very lacking. Like if you I mean, take me outside of Tennessee, I'm I'm fucked. It is it's possible, but as far as we know in game they don't talk about any other adjacent state as to where um, that's located i think i have the answer it would have to be near chicago illinois okay but they take concepts from chicago so who knows <laughs> yeah oh man it would be roughly around there because uh, that's uh the first thing i see so far would be um near that oh so, um, yeah that could also throw in like how quickly the virus could have been spread out is like the geo geographical location of uh raccoon city and the arkley mountains if they did re- exist in real life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. but going back to the story like uh what do you guys think of the amping up of the virus and the g virus and how that affected the general plot compared to t Honestly, i think it was necessary because um, for Doom to have a sequel, though, you needed something that is, you know, you need something that's a little bigger in scope of, of a threat. For starters, to even call something like this, though, obviously the general outbreak started because of the T-Virus, right? But for the G-Virus to play infected, though, it was needed to, you know, so, like, yeah, this is actually, you know, a bigger, you know, threat compared to what was shown in um, Resident Evil 1. So I think it was necessary for them to do something like that, to have a stronger virus. I just wish they had a little bit more G-inspired enemies to signify that, though, but, you know, that's whatever. I was actually going to link right into what you said there with um, G-inspired enemies. They've Mm -hmm. definitely amped it up in an order of magnitude, because all we see is one one singular individual being infected with the G-virus. Can you imagine the consequences if, say, about 20 people had been infected with the G-virus? Oh. It, oh. it would have been catastrophic. This is I made a video on uh the G virus not too long ago. This is why they said that if there is a G virus outbreak in lore, uh the BSAA will go like to level ten. That's like the highest level threat so far for BSAA. Um they will try to contain it if it's like a miniature outbreak, like um I forgot what the transformation was called, but it's like basically small scale if it's a larger outbreak where stage three infections are happening then every branch has to come over to that town to eliminate the g virus and i i never knew this i never knew this but that's official lore wow that is insane that the g virus could be a level 10 so imagine like the later ones man so what the hell would be the t abyss then because Technically speaking, that would be a level 10 right there just by its mere existence. I, I talked to Ninja about this. I, so far from what I gather, I haven't found any like documents from uh, BSA that talks about the level they go to when that's spread out, only that they dealt with it in Revelations 1. That's it. But I, I would imagine affecting water and stuff like that is no, that's a no no. So anyone else on this uh, question? Yeah. Anyone else? Going once, going twice. Any other story bees uh, people want to mention? None? Does Drillbit actually want to go? 
Yeah, Drill, say something. Nintendo freak. Uh, going once, going twice. Uh, sold to the hooker in red. All right. Uh, what question? Wait, did you just see the like hooker in red? Yes. No. Oh, what's up, there? She's a professional. That is true. That is very true. Okay. There's one story beat I want to mention. Why is Leon so dumb? Like, why? Why? Because because he simps for mommy. Uh, it's like. Oh my god. Ada, I I know her. You only met her five minutes ago. Uh, yeah. no, 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 look, no, 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 we're not there. Wait, wait, I mean, honestly, I'd rather look, keep look, on he, being If we're going by a, if we're going by a li- original lore, he got late because he got, you know, dumped the yep. day before he started work. So mm-hmm. he's very in need. He's very lonely, and and he needs uh he needs to sit for for uh, mommy. อ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ๋อแล้วอ
No, it is what it is. Uh, I don't know if they just wanted to over exaggerate him being creepy without you needing to read it in files, even though it's still kind of there and weird because he talks right. about, yeah. uh, you know, he talks about getting off to one of his kills, yeah. and that's pretty disgusting. But I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's pretty fucked up, so it doesn't need to make that, you know, overtly crazy yeah but the, uh, the files kind of do it too in the original where it's like he's going around having a good time killing his own men it's just you don't it's a lot more context there and it makes it even creepier as opposed to him just acting it out until he finally like yeah. snaps man the poor exactly. mayor's daughter though laying oh on my the God, table yeah. that's a nice visual too like i know it's messed up but it's nice to see as morbid as it is it's like you you get you get the distinct feeling that something is wrong with him from the get go when you first bump into him with as Claire, because the way he's monologuing in an almost aroused tone of voice about her skin bin, and I quote because I played this earlier, nothing short of perfection. It gives me a shiver. It's it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Hmm. And yeah, and the, yeah. Oh no, wait. That'd be for the next. Que- that'd be for the last question with the with the remake stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, as for the other side characters, I mean, Ada's okay. Um, Marvin. Uh, well, Marvin's yeah, he's fine too. Uh, and Sherry's just I don't like. She's just there. Like I I know she's supposed to be like Claire's emotional support. And that that kind of pushes it but other than that that's all she really does outside of the small gameplay snippets that we get yeah yeah sure uh what else uh did we talk about their gameplay sections and how we felt about them uh no 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 they're virtually kind of the same except well you can't say 100 percent because ada has a gun and Sherry kind of doesn't. It's a child that can be eaten I mean, by dogs. I mean, honestly, though, like, in terms of the segments, though, they're, they're definitely the same, but on, at least um, the first time you play as them, because you go through the exact same area, you know, you start in different positions, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know, ignoring, like, the combat section, though, it's literally the same segment when you start, start as um, both of them. But for the second time you play as them, though, Sherry has a longer segment, though, compared to Ada, because all she does really is get the gunshot on her hand and go down ladder and alligator or no alligator depends yeah no so yeah like it's like nothing the second time around compared to the first one at least they help you get a key item like it's nothing important the second time you play as them it's pretty much just play as them uh let's break up the monotony let's give you like a key item and some rounds or ammo if you pick them up that's it nothing really to write home about there so I guess we can move on yeah, the, to the next one. Or Silver, you have something to say? Yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty much blink and you miss them. There, like you said, there are a couple of subtle variations, but honestly, no, there's there's really not a great deal. I just thought I'd take a moment to try and reflect and see if there really is anything you can glean from them. But upon like a, even a bit of extra reflection, they really are just one and done blink and you've missed it aren't they pretty much 100 percent. 
Unlike to remake, where there's there are discernible differences and they've got full size segments where things actually happen, but we've got a question for that. So yeah. All right, Brendan. All right. Uh, I guess we'll move to the next question. Then if we're done with nine, I got nothing else to add. Or ten, whatever the fuck we're on. Uh, we are on number ten. Yeah, thanks to the work of some very dedicated individuals, there are now a whole, a, a whole host of modded versions of the game that are publicly available largely on ModDB, some with minor edits like costumes to several complete overhauls of the game like the Origin of Species, uh, Marvin and Kendo cuts, and more. Um, have you seen in any of these and do any of them stick out to you for their creativity and enjoyment? Um, I don't really delve into the modding scene as far as like classic RE goes. So I'm not too familiar with what people have done. Uh, however, I do really like the one that uh, I think Ren, you played this, this one on stream where uh, it's like before the outbreak. Yeah. Before the storm. During. Yeah, I, I really dug that one. I thought that was like really cool how you could like kind of interact with people and uh, kind of the slightest choice would lead into a whole like different scenario. Um, I thought that was really cool. So oh. like that's something I, I do want to see like fully um, fleshed out because I think it's still in development. Um, you know, so. So as far as any mods are concerned for RE2 specifically, that's the only one that really sticks out to me for being very creative and very unique. Uh, but, you know, again, keep in mind, I'm not really, like, in um, in the know as far as, like, the modding scene is concerned for RE2. Yeah. Or just classic RE in general. I haven't touched any of the mods yet. However, I've heard that the Kendo's Cut mod is definitely worth a playthrough. Yeah, it I is didn't. absolutely outstanding. I just just a quick disclaimer: I don't play any of these because computer is potato. But I have I've seen before I've seen before the storm, and I've seen both parts of Kendo's cut. And if you know a lot of the lore and the inside stuff and the inside gags. What they do, especially in the second half of that, is absolutely freaking outstanding. Like, I don't want to spoil, just in case people intend to play it, but it's so mm -hmm. fucking funny. Yeah, so good. I, I intend to play it um, at some point yeah. this month. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I'm sure that anybody that's familiar with the modding for Resident Evil on PC knows uh, Aiden Watkins. Yeah, I've Aiden, had the yes, name. Yeah, so mm -hmm. he's he's done some really good uh, OG Resident Evil and specifically Resident Evil Two stuff. Uh, he did Marvin's mod, and he also did Survivor Redux, which is I think a ground up remake of Resident Evil Survivor. Is that um, about um, Ketu? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, just cool guy. Like that, the fact that you know twenty year twenty some odd years later, somebody's working on this stuff to kind of preserve and extend the life of, you know, Resident Evil 2, which I think already has kind of a pretty big life on its own, is very impressive. So a lot of the stuff that Aiden Watkins put out, I really enjoy. Yeah, I've I've seen Bok Basoop 
play a lot of his stuff because he's pretty much like the uh he's one of the go-to streamers any of the major mods that get enough you know traction he will play them is him and that pretty DMC. much mm -hmm. yeah those two have played his mods um a lot that's how i get my mod information from them yeah yeah it's it's like does does anybody know the kind of PC setup you need to reliably play this? Because I'm, I currently have a a very very old like Windows eight that needs a yeah this thing needs an overhaul. I don't imagine you need that much of a a decent system to play these right. Set them up and play them. Any ideas? Just a guess. Oh, anybody? Uh, well, get one's better than what you got there. Simple answer. But uh, we could discuss yeah. that maybe after the podcast. Yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a digression. Carry on, carry on. Yeah. But as far as the mod's concerned, though, I really dig Origin of Species. And um, the one that's pretty much Resident Evil Survivor, uh, not Survivor, um, Outbreak, but done, you know, in R2's um, gameplay style. That, that shit was great. I definitely need to play more myself, to be honest though, but, you know, some of those mods are actually kind of hard. Um, anyone else got to go? Damn, uh, I'm trying to think of other interesting RE2 mods that I saw. Um, I remember some cancelled ones, like there was a the one with uh, Rebecca and Barry that got cancelled. There was also another one where people uh sort of took uh what if concept i think it's called uh resident evil dark something uh but they took a what if scenario what if like the stars team died in the mansion and then leon was like by himself um and there was no like claire is with them looking for chris because obviously chris is dead so uh that was oh. very interesting but that got canceled so it's like it was called the dark biohazard yeah dark biohazard yeah, that would have shame it never happened because that was at least a cool idea. Yep, the uh, creator went AFK, so that's unfortunate. Oh, what shame. Yeah. Have we brought up one of the most iconic ones, which is Mortal Knight? No, but I I've played the sort of horde mode of it. It's, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. I, I have heard it is insane. Like, yeah. I think that's a kid to um creation too, and he makes a lot of hard stuff, especially for Resident Evil Three. Can't you play as Elisa from Outbreak in that? Uh, or am I thinking of a different mod? I I I think you're right. That is Mortal Knight. You can play as her. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, there's also another one that fans are making currently where they are saying that, uh, no, I think it's like a reskin of Survivor just with the RE2 engine. That'd be interesting. Yep, that, that guy that Divic oh. posted, that is the guy who made it. Nice, nice. Uh, I'll have to take a look at that. Hmm. Alright, uh, anything else to add to this? Can we get to the, the beefy question? Nope, I'm all tapped out. Alright, um, who's actually want to read this one, though? I'll read it. Be my guess. Alright. Final question. How would you stack this game against the Resident Evil 2 remake from 2019? Distinguish your likes and dislikes between them. 
Can I begin here? Yeah, go ahead. Go right ahead. I, I, I have a, a very... Obviously, with, with 2 being my, pretty much my favourite game, and 2 Remake been one of the most important games in like my modern gaming sphere. Like I, I've said before on this podcast, and I own up to the fact that I really enjoy Resident Evil to the point that when I saw the the teaser, you know, that was it. I believe it came out at E3 back in 2018. Mm-hmm. It was E3, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was E3 2018. Yeah. When when that trailer actually came out, I cried, and I I own up to that. I I have no problems admitting that. So pretty big for me. But playing it as much as I did, because I didn't put it down for about three months after it came out. I just played it and replayed it and replayed it consistently. The remake, and for me, I struggle to put either one of them on a pedestal in terms of which one is better because they're both very very solid entries but i can i can easily pinpoint where it did some very good things with one and the other positives for me for the remake were the definitely the expansion to characters like kendo Marvin especially, to see Marvin had much more of his supporting role, like, Marvin is my dude, I really like him. To see him actually get a bit more time in the spotlight was pretty decent. And character expansions alongside obvious things like game mechanics, really enjoyed that. For me, though, there is a notable upside for the original as well, and it's something we've already mentioned. I felt the zapping system was far... Well, it wasn't really a zapping system in the remake, but in the original, what they did was far superior to what was done in you know, the remake, where it was like your first and second scenario. They really did feel like they were hastily put in, very much rushed, and you can see that in a lot of the mechanics. The the boss fights that you have are completely identical. The, the puzzles that you have, for the most part, are exactly the same, just with different solutions. And it doesn't feel like there's any real gravity or weight to your actions. It's pretty much just go through the same scenario again with some slight puzzle switches, ammunition being moved around and whatnot, and just it all over again which felt very weak for me now somebody help me out here um we did pretty much bring up the fact that the first and second scenarios in the remake were put in late in development right they were they were okay so let me explain this because i know more context um okay in the descriptions of the original teasers for re2 they didn't mention like a scenario b scenario they said that these are campaigns leon and claire will have their own separate campaign and that's it uh my assumption was leon will have his own campaign similar to like um what is it re1 where you can play as like chris or you can play as like jill and it would be similar to that with claire and leon 
then later on we didn't find out about the scenarios or the second runs until we played the game and then discovered that these are not the same uh so we can only gather that because capcom had that release date put out that they had to sort of add those in last minute and i think there was some talk with some of the capcom developers uh and some of the mods and camilla saying you know some stuff is different so they sort of talk about it on the dev uh panel that they had on youtube not too long ago yeah yeah mm. but that is a and b's hold on mm -hmm. Yeah, interrupt this. Um, go ahead. Where do you want to go? Oh, okay. Uh, I was just gonna say that that sort of explains like second and first runs. Uh, it's to me, I I feel like they should have at least looked more at the blueprint instead of rushing it out. Hell, they could have delayed it like maybe another month. I mean, it's cutting it close to DMC five, but still, like just to get those right because. I don't like how it feels 100% similar. It, it's fine. I was just finishing up my point. It, mm. it feels 100% similar to the same campaign for like the first run and the second run. It's not like A and B where bosses are different, scenarios are different. Even the story is extended for scenario B as opposed to second run where it's like, well, the beginning is different and maybe all the puzzles are changed. That's it. Lazy job it's copy and paste yeah yep yeah i was gonna say as far as um you know comparing the original to the remake um i know uh they had brought on board the uh invader studios um the dev team that worked on the resident evil 2 reborn project which then went on to basically redo the whole thing and call it daymare 1998 um <clears throat> So they got a lot of feedback from them in terms of uh, what they kind of had in mind for an RE2 remake and some of the things that they were um, planning on implementing. So a lot of a lot of similarities can be seen between, um, you know, Invader Studios' take on their RE2 versus the official RE2 remake. There's a lot of similarities, but I think overall in terms of a remake capcom handled that a lot better uh but that being said when you compare the official re2 remake to the original re2 i do think that there's some aspects that the original re2 did better in terms of uh overall content um considering the fact that we did have some of those other re-releases and extra modes and, and content and stuff like that we don't have that in re2 remake um also, I think the A and B scenarios, for example, which I know many of you have already pointed out that, yeah, that stuff kind of came in last minute. Uh, I think that, you know, if that wasn't going to be there day one, they could have at least um, said that stuff is going to come at a later date. We want to make sure that that's done properly and done in a way where it does feel like it's a significant difference between um, the main A and B scenario that we have. Okay, I, I have to weigh in on this one because, uh, you know, if, if any of you have seen me in the Discord for more than five minutes, you know that I tend to kind of rant a little bit about the newer uh, Resident Evils. Um, the remakes were very technically impressive. Very mm -hmm. nice to look at in some instances. The problem 
is that in bringing a game like Resident Evil, which is very much a product of its era, to a modern audience, you have to strip away a lot of the things that were a product of that area or a product of that era. So the music in Resident Evil 2 remake, like like Resident Evil 2 soundtrack is incredible. I still put it on occasionally um, when I'm working during the day. Like it's kind of in my regular rotation. Um, remake 2 has a couple of those tracks, but doesn't really do anything with them. Uh, it doesn't even seem to remix them. You get like a, a couple snippets of it. The same thing, like hammy voice acting, uh, tank controls, pre-rendered backgrounds, all that stuff is very product of its time. And while releasing a game today with those elements would be very difficult, it's doable. There's a few like indie games on Steam that are very successful in that regard. Um, you know, you're seeing this kind of resurgence of retro gaming now. Um, I understood why Capcom did it because the over-the-shoulder stuff is definitely the stuff that sells better and feels better to play. Um, but it just, it, for lack of a better term, I, I, you know, I, I wish I could put it in an easier way, but it just, the soul is like not there. Like it, it's, it's a good game. It's solid, but it's just, it doesn't have that, like all those little elements that make the original just so memorable. Like I, I'll remember the original constantly, uh, and Resident Evil two, even though it's the exact same thing, I barely remember that game because I just. I don't know, it just didn't stick out, but original RE2 just sticks out so much with just all the goofy lines and the guns and just the dumb stuff that happens in that game. It's just, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to rant for another like 20 minutes. I'm going to stop myself right now because I could do this like all day. Um, but RE2 remake while strong, especially for somebody that's coming into the series, I can see why people like it, but being, you know, resident boomer myself, that's, uh, that original will trump it almost every time, especially with the aforementioned uh, seamless HD. Uh, uh, go ahead. To be quite frank here, though, as far as like the music is concerned, though, honestly, the music, I would say, all right, it's a lot better than the originals, but the problem is you can't fucking hear it because the way yeah. um, they had their um, music um, built into the game is too, like, it's too subtle, and at a certain point, it will stop playing or it won't loop properly, whatever case may be, until something happens again. I don't like that at all. And that's something that I think three fixed, I believe. So Yeah, three fixed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing too. Like the with... way is really Wait, quick. Hold on, hold on, sure. Because um, I was just gonna say the the way that they have it implemented is that they took that technique from RE seven. Because RE seven they, they introduced this very subtle way of introducing the soundtrack so it only plays where they felt it necessary. The problem with that is that it doesn't work in the context of RE2, for example, where you're supposed to have this very atmospheric sound. That's why a lot of people end up switching over to the classic soundtrack, because it just fits so much better with that environment. Because you're constantly hearing that music and you're constantly being like, um, I would say, like really involved with that environment and that atmosphere. And the music is really part of that. I, I understand the idea of subtlety with this soundtrack but i don't think they ever really implemented it well in in re2 remake the the only the pass i will give with remake is uh hunk the hunk section with that track mm -hmm. like that carries that section incredibly like it feels like i'm playing a completely different game when that track is playing you feel like, it's, 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 it's badassery it's all this stuff mm -hmm. and the thing is like 
the original soundtrack in Resident Evil 2, you know, you get these really great, creepy, subtle piano tracks. You get um, these really intense, like, go, go, go tracks towards the end of the game when you have a time limit that you will never, ever reach zero on, but still, it's intense. You know, you get, like, these nice, like, eerie string tracks. Like, you get this huge mix. And then hearing that safe room music is, like, the biggest relief you can ever have especially if you're playing it for the first time, you know, when you're like 10 years old and you're playing Resident Evil 2, hearing the safe room music is just like, oh my God, like I, I can relax for a second. I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, chewed on or attacked or blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, like you said, 3 did a little bit better of a job of that, but pushing everything to the background and having just ambience in that game is like it's weird. I don't know. Like I, you like new Resident Evil 2, that's fine, but I'm going to be the, the old man with a stick on a porch saying the old one's better for like basically till I die, so... All right, people are here sleeping on Mr. X's theme. All right, so final time. That shit was great. There's. But, go ahead. Uh, Randy, you go you ahead then, because I'm about to get to my point on which I think is better in original over remake. Okay, so I I like both of these games. I think they have their strengths and weaknesses. I'm not gonna lie. I prefer all the stuff they were doing with the gore and how it looks for remake two. I mean, that stuff was cool. I also think that this game proved that third person definitely could have horror elements to them because most of the game is just shrouded in darkness, whereas like it's very bright for, uh, I mean, RE2 for the original PS1. Uh, but I, I feel as though the problem is like people said before, the soundtrack, uh, the soundtrack sticks out just a little bit more being memorable in the original Resident Evil 2 and they tried the whole ambience thing in the background and i just cut on classic because it just fit the mood to what i enjoyed um the classic has better a and b scenarios we covered that like we beat it like a dead horse and then there's all the other stuff where it's like i do enjoy remake having more weapon upgrades for claire and making all that stuff better as opposed to the original where it's like here you have all this stuff for her deal with it it's some strengths and weaknesses here or there so as for the best i can't really say because you know i i love both of these games i think they're kind of like equal to each other in a sense whereas like they cancel each other out but i guess if you want something modern you would play like the remake if you're in for nostalgia and going back to the old one it just depends on the mood i We'll like to add on that for Remake 2, I think the way they brought Mr. X into the remake, like, I'm, like, it's impressive how much more intimidating they made him, like, because, like, you're running around and, like, if you stop just, like, for a moment, you can literally hear him walking you know, throughout the hallways, whether it be above you or below you. I remember there was one time, um, like he chased me all the way to a safe room um in the police station and i was just like trying to wait him out and i can hear him like squelching and like stomping on all the zombies that were in his way it, like it sounded like he was stomping on cockroaches yeah the the general sound design itself is awesome like as much as we harp on the soundtrack just the noise and the footsteps that he makes that was pretty well done sound design. yeah that was awesome I, I can't knock that if you have a good surround sound or sound bar you're gonna be immersed in the whole experience and i did notice that um 
for because I watched other people play this too, but at least for my playthrough, there was a point where I was I think it's like up stairs on the second second or third floor. Um, I had walked by a wall and uh, all of a sudden, like, he just crashes through like the Kool-Aid man. And I'm just like, that caught me off guard. And then I watched someone else and like, it didn't happen to him. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm expecting this guy to, to, you know, punch through the wall. And all of a sudden he like, I don't know. I don't know if it was random or what, but like, that was, that was pretty impressive. Also, if you have the silence SMG in Claire's campaign. You never have to deal with Mr. X again, at least if he's like close to you or whatever, because he's not going to hear that shooting. So I thought that was also a nice addition. And the best weapon to take out zombie legs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I right, do well. want to heap some added praise on Mr. X, especially in the remake here. For two reasons. Like, like I said, Mr. X is one of my favorite bosses to begin with, and he's less a boss than an obstacle in the remake but two things in particular in that remake make him far superior and really really memorable one is something that was mentioned just a moment ago with his foot stomps they are they are literally a nightmare for people with any sort of anxiety related issue and it really does add to a, a tangible feeling of the horror. Like, I'm gonna mention this because it's a it's a talking point, and I I know she, I know she watches the podcast from time to time. Like, my partner is is very anxious, bless her, and she cannot finish the game because whenever she hears Mister X's foot, um, like feet stomping, she uh-huh. runs into the safe room and cannot come out. She it's, cannot come out. He's just that intimidating. Yeah. And secondly, for Mr. X, him being the way he is, with being essentially an, an infallible obstacle, he also adds an extra element of tactical gameplay to the remake. You have to be mindful of what you're doing the kind of ammo, items, and equipment you're carrying, and always potentially have a contingency plan if you are going somewhere where you know he's wandering around. I don't know if some of you know this already, but some of his moments in the police station on the first go-around are scripted. Like, he's actually... When you go and pick up that crank to move the bookcase... Oh, yeah. ...in the in the library he will turn up there is not a single time in any playthrough i have done where he hasn't that is scripted so for example for the whole tactical element of gameplay you go down that corridor and you think okay i'm gonna need a way out here because there's a liquor in that hallway already and mr x is gonna come down here so i'd better take um you know some some decent gear couple of flash grenades and make sure those windows are boarded up beforehand otherwise there's going to be a problem so the second bit of praise for him just what he adds to the game yeah all right uh, i guess i can go ahead and go um next 
Well, as far as like, the core game is concerned, like, it's no secret that I do prefer Remake 2. I just adore playing that game. It's like literally one of my go-to Resident Evil games now, in terms of pick up and play. Like, um, as, uh, if I had to, like, you know, again, go by, like, 2 and 3, I prefer Remake 2, and I prefer Original 3. Because if I want the, like, the RE2 experience, quote-unquote, I could literally just get that in Resident Evil 3 and then some, the original. And then... And then for the um, remake concern, if I want like the the horror aspect of Resident Evil, Remake 2 does the job to a T, honestly. But that being said though, the aspects that I this one in particular I really, really, really like more in original really is just the character interactions and some um just general characters like, like I explained beforehand. Yeah, I feel like there's not enough like you no know, Claire and Leon talking to each other, because you no, know, at least in um original like the few times they meet each other right no at least they had something talking to each other right whereas in uh remake they're just quite literally complete strangers to each other until the very end like they had no other interactions or anything like that until um you get to the um cart which something i did not um like about, um, remake as well. mm-hmm. how and... did you mm-hmm. oh go ahead oh that's fine go ahead um, I was just gonna ask you guys, how did you guys feel about um Sherry's campaign in remake compared to uh the original Resident Evil 2? It's more streamlined, well, it's okay. It's not yeah, bad. it's more straightforward. Uh, and plus I can give her this though. She um definitely handled herself um pretty damn well considering her circumstances. But honestly, if I if you really compare them though, they're like apples and origins because the situation is completely different. Mm-hmm. But if I had the legitimately had to um choose, it would definitely be a remake though, because I just love how one how straightforward it is, and two, throwing asset um G virus is just great. It even opens up a cheesy metaphor of him being two faced. <laughs> uh, he gonna flip a coin next? Okay. Nice. Yeah, you got, have, you, have you noticed that? Like when you throw the asset on his face, so literally one side is just literally like how he was in two faced. Mm-hmm. You know, he represents law yeah. and order, and the other side just complete freak. You know that kind of deal. I did like that yeah. when updated it there. His real not name gonna, is Harvey Dent. Not gonna lie, I felt <laughs> I definitely felt anxiety playing through that portion because like you you can't defend yourself. You're be, you're running away from this dude who's trying to capture you and possibly murder you at this point after you throw the acid on his face. Yeah, that is yeah, legit uh, me every time I do hardcore enough thing. Because if you slip up once though, it's over. You gotta start all the way over from the beginning of the game if you do no saves. Yeah, I was gonna say too with like the why i think like irons is better at least in the remake um just lore wise when you read up on like some of the info and some of the notes that he leaves behind um you get hints that you know he's potentially a necrophiliac you get hints that he's not just into taxidermy but is like way more messed up about it and there's also very very subtle hints that he also might be a pedophile so it's like awesome to see him die <laughs> you know? uh, well I'll, i'm not sure if i count that as make him better because again like the the thing that makes I, him like i despise about him is just he showed they made him show a little too much like yeah. his action well, shows subtlety but the writing that's given the original was no shows more than than tell you know i i get uh, i get both just, like i get both you know like um like why some people might prefer the more subtle aspect of like the original in that regard. Oh, I might um, add to his death is also really fucking lame. Like in the original, he could either get cut in half by the um embryo or have William come in and wreck your shit. 
here in the yeah. remake just get a hole in his chest and like that, that's fucking stupid like come on yeah yeah uh, for, for me i felt like you know as far as like just making him more fucked up than what he already was because like you know in the original aspect there was like he had the allegations that he was like raping girls at the college that he went to <laughs> allegations man he did it there's no fucking uh, yeah yeah with, yeah with like how fucked up he is you know damn well he did it but like you know you get those like you know those hints and nods about that and it's like um as far as like how messed up he is like i i think you know there isn't necessarily um there isn't necessarily one that's like that that outdoes the other in that regard i just particularly find that as far as him being like way more fucked up and you kind of finding out about that and him being a little bit more upfront about it, uh, a little bit more enjoyable, but that's just me. They do a lot to really in, in subtle ways through what they leave throughout the game to with irons, what they do and it's clever compared to his, well, they do it in the, um, the in, in the original as well but in the remake there's just something deeply unsettling about him and then when you read all the notes and things that are left there it leaves you with this real sense the only word i can use to describe the segment with irons is a sense of tangible dread because after all this guy is you know you find out what he's been doing and is capable of doing and you're running away from this guy as a, as a defenseless young girl you, 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 your first mindset is oh my god do not let this guy get hold of her like get the hell out of there right now it makes you feel a sense of dread and it's very effective at what it does so like that's that's my one part that i actually struggle to play whereas like i said my partner's was mr x mine is that big because it's like i've always had a thing in horror games and i don't know if this is like anybody else as well or if it's just me i hate being chased and being defenseless same (laughs) it's why i've had countless people on streams say to me like oh yeah silver play outlast and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. i finally i finally buckled recently but until then i i i had a stance of no horror games where i am not armed (laughs) because of that shit (laughs) so yeah that's just my two cents on irons, anyway. Yeah. So, any All other right. comparisons to the original and the remake? Uh, yeah. A and B is better, but we say that a thousand times. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I prefer to play RE2 Remake because the gameplay is immaculate. Yes. I still, I still like playing the originals a lot. It's it's fine. It's it's. I don't turn my brain off for like, uh, just popping on the original again. I I still can play them just fine. Uh, there is some little nitpicks here or there where it's like, damn this hallway. I wish it was longer so I can see. But that's the only issue. Otherwise, it's fundamentally still the same as I experienced it back in the nineties. Yeah, honestly though, like legit though, like it was refreshing replaying two again after so long. Yeah. Uh, definitely, it definitely was an enjoyable experience though. But the yeah, only, I still I get, prefer three. I'm not three. I Fuck guess on. the Let only, the only like nitpick I have is that there, there's no like official re-releases of it. 
Like, you just have to, like, have the original consoles or just find the PC versions. Uh, that's on Capcom, that's the game. You, you might... I'm oh, sorry, I'm just gonna say you might have a means. This is all... This is hypothetical at the moment. But you might have a means to have the older games on more modern on more modern PlayStation consoles shortly, because Sony have been talking about bringing out a a new sort of subscription tier for Plus rivals the Xbox service called Spartacus. I know that's a that's, stupid name. That's a cold name, not the official name. And plus, that's not confirmed oh, yeah. right now, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I know, it's, it's, I know it's a hypothetical, but you know, it might it might happen. It might happen. I don't know. Like Capcom's been releasing all the old Mega Man and all the old Mega Man games. Why not just do the old RE games on from PlayStation? Maybe just included the N sixty four Dreamcast stuff too. I I have made this argument since they did the twentieth anniversary back when RE seven was about to like. That was right around the time that RE7 was about to come out and they first announced RE2 Remake. Uh, and I had always made the argument that for the 20th anniversary, they, they should have released RE's 1, 2, and 3 based off of their PC ports, um, you know, on current-gen console, kind of replicating what uh, Square Enix did with Final Fantasy VII, where you could get, you know, that remastered version of the original Final Fantasy VII based on that PC port. Um, you know, granted, would it have been the most perfect port? That would have been debatable, but at least having a way to play RE1, 2, and 3, especially with 1, given that a lot of people are not fond of the fact that they released the DualShock version of Director's Cut on uh, PS3. You know, like, I think that would have been a great way to kind of be like, hey, you know, now you can play RE's 1, 2, and 3. And Who knows? Play all this other stuff that we released to play. Like, Who knows? Maybe there's some legal reason why. The cynic in me is thinking, at least present day argument, that the reason they won't release something like the original two now is because it could potentially detract from the sales of the remake at present, and it's a business decision. I might be wrong with that. It's just a thought and a I theory. I don't. I don't think that would really work though, because I think what they could have easily done too with that is like you know at least at the time when RE2 was coming out, they could have been like here as part of like the digital deluxe edition or you know certain editions of RE2. You get, you know, a digital copy of RE2 Original that's bundled with it, and then later on release it as a separate release. Like, I don't think that they could have, <laughs> I don't think that that would have really been a thing of nobody would have bought the remake because we have the original. When there are clearly people out there that will not touch classic RE because they're too afraid of tank controls or fixed camera angles. I mean, I mean there's some games for a reason. So there's people, I mean, there's people all, like that, but they're in the minority. So yeah, yeah fuck them. Whatever. I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't think that really would have been the case. I think people would have still bought RE2 remake despite RE, RE2. Yeah. That would have been an incentive that, so more people would have definitely got yeah. digital deluxe because of that. I think also, too, that would have been a great way to, you know, because 
I made the, like I said, I made this argument before, but like, I think that would have been a great way to kind of catch people up to speed with like all the RE games. If they hadn't played those classics, that would have been that perfect opportunity for them to start from scratch, start from RE1, you know, and then work their way up to every single, you know, release ordered RE at the time that you could get a hold of on like PlayStation or Xbox or PC, at least in my opinion. I, uh, two quick points, sorry, with, both your argument and um Ren's argument the the first being uh Dom you know you're talking about re-releasing them and all that in all honesty as a as a consumer I would probably be hesitant to buy those games from Capcom again considering that a lot of those original guys are not like it's going towards Capcom yeah but a lot of those original guys are not getting that cut essentially that original team and I'm <clears throat> I'm one of those old people that you know, you've got a game that's out for 15 years and a company re-releases it and charges you an arm and a leg for it. I would rather pirate the game and emulate it than pay for a re-release. Granted, I understand that not everybody's comfortable with that, but that's, you know, just me. Um, second, Ren, mm-hmm. what you were saying, and this is, I think this is the big difference between you and me is because I, I grew up in a house where we watched a shitload of movies. And the big, the big advantage of like the whole fixed camera angle thing is like over the shoulder, you're seeing things from a very particular perspective with the, the fixed camera angle. You have to see everything kind of through the director's perspective. Like you're being forced to see things the way they want you to see them for a particular effect or, or for, you know, whatever, the ambiance or what have you. Um, That that's like one of those things that, is probably the reason I'm attracted to the older games more is because I'm looking through this through the lens of somebody else and a team showing me, hey, listen, this is what we're showing you now because of how we've set things up. Like, there's a reason that this camera is placed here and at this very particular angle. Oh, no, I no, no. Always... I, I, I just want to really quick before I let you go, Ren, I just mm-hmm. wanted to kind of address the uh, the point previously with, um, you know, like re-releases. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I get why some people would be, you know, hesitant about, getting a game that they might already own um you know and i definitely get why people would pirate but then i think about it from this perspective too look at how many times capcom has re-released re4 and look at how many times people have repurchased that game over and over again to get it on every single platform it has ever come out on Oh, and I'm not saying so, I'm right. Listen, I'm a huge asshole. I'm not going to be right in any situation <laughs> on this thing. podcast. No, but, yeah, and, and that, that's uh, fine. Like, I, I get where you're coming from, right? Yeah. Like, I get that perspective, too. I'm just saying, like, more so in the sense of, like, you know, given that people, yeah, there are going to be people that are hesitant, right? Yeah. But oh, given think, oh, man, how I bundled it with the, the remake, like you were talking about, oh, mm-hmm. dude, that would be, that would have been, that's a that would have been perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. 20th anniversary rebundle you know you're going to have people buying it for nostalgia's sake who may have just avoided the product initially because it's a 3d remake and it's not fixed camera angle. you know i know yeah. plenty of people that didn't play the new resident evil because it's not fixed camera angle i was almost one of those people mm. and so like i get it you would bring in a shitload of people and they'd be, ah, maybe i'll try this by you know getting the original games too and then you get those other people that are curious so, yeah no i i agree with that but i'm a crazy old weirdo so <laughs> You know, just understand where I'm coming from when I talk, when I talk. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. No, like, and, I, and I get that. I get that. Like, you know, that definite like hesitance towards like the new thing, as far as uh, <laughs> as far as like you know, kind of relating to that. Like, yeah, I get it. You know, like 
you know, there are people that are going to be hesitant in buying something or not for buying something because, you know, it's not the thing that they wanted. Right. And that's completely understandable that there's a reason why we say vote with your wallet. Right. Yeah. At the same time, though, you know, where I'm thinking of as far as just strictly talking about a re-release of a game that people you know, know and love, or at least some people might not have as easy access to get a hold of. Right. I get why Capcom would do that. And it kind of confuses me as to why Capcom wouldn't do that with like RE1, 2, and 3 when they've done it so much with like RE4, for example. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they don't have the source code. Well, I highly, I, I highly doubt that, but hold on, hold on, right, hold on. Hmm? I highly uh, doubt they don't have the source code here, right? But even still, though, if people can make a thing with involving the Dolphin emulator called Seamless HD, right? They can definitely, most definitely do the exact same thing, right? So imagine if I'd be more concerned about Capcom re-releasing those games and NDP shit ports. That'd be my biggest concern. Because otherwise, if they come out with a half-ass port and we have something like the Sims HD um, versions of two and three, you know, you know that that's a problem right there. If they came out with a worse product than what the fans have done, yeah, ab- absolutely, yeah. And that's why I said like you know if they're gonna you know base this off of any version of the game, they should probably base it off of the Source Next ports. Of, at least for like RE2 and 3. I know like RE1, that might be a little bit more tricky because they know um, it did have a PC port, but I think it was done by like Virgin or something. Well, I mean, honestly, if they only use a port though, it would, I would actually go with Deadly Silent still, just clean that up real well because it is based off of technically the PS1, I believe, but they can easily clean it yeah. up and add in and, all the extra features and stuff. And that thing runs crazy well. I was playing it actually a couple weeks ago. The Deadly Silence plays insanely well. See, See, and, and, you know, just to kind of go off of that, too, because I know a lot of people don't like the director's cut DualShock version soundtrack. Uh, for me, it's a guilty pleasure. But, you know, I get why, right? It's garbage, um, the one. But Deadly Silence, right, also has kind of a slightly reduxed soundtrack, but it's still mostly the same soundtrack. It just remixed mm-hmm. tracks of those classic tracks. I don't see why, you know, I don't think people would be so upset about, like, hearing a remixed version of tracks that they're familiar with, per se. As long as the original is there as an option, mm-hmm. I don't think people care. Yeah. Yeah. Just... But just it's... A... Oh, sorry. I'm just gonna quickly say... No. Just gonna quickly say... Um, one slight comment in regards to um, the sheer volume of... Um, re-releases that Resident Evil 4 has had. I'm sure if I look hard enough, I got a copy of that for my toaster oven, and I even got a free box of Pop-Tarts with it. <laughs> it's, it's there somewhere. Bro, I yeah. promise you, you'll find the copy for your fucking smart fridge, okay? <laughs> like, uh, dude, it's possible. Dude, it exists. Dude, about six months ago, I got, I, got, I got a copy on my microwave, and we move using the timer keys. It's great. <laughs> Anyway, right, so can um, I go now? I was going to say it's Capcom. God damn it, so bro, honestly, fuck off. I was going to say it's Capcom, so I expect the bare minimum. Like, they'll just put it on, like, Switch Online or something like that. All right, fantastic. Go ahead, Ren. All right, let, let me go. So I want to address both points. So I'm going to address Divic first. Uh, I, I understand the whole view and camera angle and they put you in the perspective of the director. I, I, I get all that. That's understandable. Like they want to immerse you in the experience of fixed camera angles and, and watching from different viewpoints. And that's cool. Uh, but the thing is like, it still occurs to a point where 
you're fighting something and if you didn't have like lock on aim you'd be a dead man because uh stuff is like jumping off screen and i i know that's the novel appeal of old school re but it still can be seen as a hindrance to some people because you don't know where things are and you don't know where things are attacking and you get like cheap shotted. I, sometimes that happens. It's like the name of the game with that game when you have to deal with fixed camera angles. Uh, the other thing about like sales and perception and how people sort of wage RE is that when they say that people aren't going to buy this game and that game and the third game because it's relatively new, they kind of have egg on their face when that game sells or does well or they want it to fail and it really doesn't so that's kind of why i think that philosophy is really dumb because i think if people would have got that incentive to buy the classics no one on earth would like really co-sign the fact that well i have the originals i could just go play that but then the remake reviews come out as really stellar and everyone's playing it so they have that morbid curiosity and that's kind of uh the deal breaker for certain people is like when all that stuff blows up they can't really stay away and they have to keep saying that re4 destroyed the series when remake comes out and they buy that game anyway so that's why i call that stuff fraudulent because it makes no sense with the argument they're saying they're not they're not like voting with their wallet they're sort of like cheaping it out and frauding and i don't like that behavior yeah, no, and definitely like, like again with the fixed camera angle thing, it's just it's a it's a preference more than anything else. I get the third person. Like there are days where I will boot up Resident Evil or something like that. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with this shit right now because fixed camera angles or whatever. Like, so I I get where you're coming from with that, hundred percent. But I I totally don't mind it. Like I can I will not say, and I heard uh, Spear Hunter talk about this. I will not say that you can't play tank controls like no it's it's possible it's doable you could do it some people will flat out say oh you can't play the game like this anymore and i, I don't agree with that logic i think you take enough time dedication it's not that hard honestly it's the same argument involving with turn base honestly if you're not willing enough you say that i'm, I'm sorry that place sounds bad that honestly you kind of force shit for it because you're not willing enough to sit down and actually try it yeah I agree. I just kind of want to add on to the point that Brandon made. Um, I'm I'm also of the opinion that as far as like quote unquote old or outdated playstyles are concerned, um, I am not a fan of just kind of ruling those uh, playstyles out just because they're old or outdated. I think the issue is is that because when we start getting a lot of the same thing, you know, we start to lose variety, and I think. Uh, I think we're losing out on the potential to improve upon those old play styles, you know, just because we're not doing anything new with them or because we're not touching them anymore as far as like uh, both consumers and developers are concerned. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, to, so, like, to go off, I agree with that. Like slight tangent here. I was playing, I was streaming Doom for a couple friends and they were like, why is it so fast? Because they're so used to playing stuff like Apex and uh, like Gears of War and like just like kind of slower, muddier feeling games. And I'm playing Doom One, and I'm flying across the screen. They're like, "Oh my god, why is it so fast?" Like this. And Doom is not aged, man. It's just the same thing. Yeah, and and that's why I'm, um, you know, I I get it. Like, yeah, things have aged a certain way, but eventually, you know, a lot of this other stuff that you know, a lot of this new stuff that we're so used to, right? Eventually, that's going to get aged, and eventually, some people are going to say, "Well, this is too old." 
I don't like this. This, is, this doesn't play well as the new thing. And I hate that logic. I, I really do. I feel like um, there needs to be an openness to, you know, any and all play styles. Now, as far as the thing that Ren was talking about, I think there's also kind of that issue of, at least in the RE community, where we see this a lot, where people talk really a lot about a certain RE game, whether it be action RE or, you know, some of the more newer stuff that Capcom's doing with RE, where they say they won't buy it, but then they go out of their way and buy day one and start complaining about where's the DLC or where, you know, why haven't they done this, this, that, and the third, right? I forgot what this one person said, but um, she boiled it down to this. Uh, she said that it's not hate. It's just these people are in a relationship and they can't deal with their crush uh, 24-7 ignoring them. So they got to go out of their way to try to get their attention all the time because they just can't deal with the fact that they can't let Capcom go. And, uh, I, I just think that's the issue. Like they're always going to be RE fans, like no matter what, even if they have like very crazy ideas and ideologies of like this game is going to fail or that game is like, you know, Capcom is going in the action route and that's terrible, even though, RE3 is like a pretty amazing game for the OG and that's like action heavy like yeah, yeah. we're talking nemesis rolling around all that stuff and that stuff is fun so you know too like because and, and I really hold this against a lot of the you know RE community in terms of like hey you know there's a bunch of indie games out there and there's a lot of them that have potential but they never want to talk about that stuff they never want to support that stuff or at least in the case of the people that may have the talent to make their own game they never want to do it it's like you know instead of trying to rely on you know the fact that capcom holds this ip why not just do your own thing or support well, somebody that does their own thing with that style? i was gonna say tormented souls yes thank you tormented souls is great and we are going to be doing a podcast on that in the near looking future. forward to that really yeah. looking forward to that the Absolutely. indie does nice if if mainstream doesn't do it, the indie does will do it for them. No, the problem is that they don't want indie developers. They want that company to do it, and it's not going to happen. No, no, right. I'm I'm sorry. Like it, you can try to will it into existence. I don't think Capcom is going back to fix scam unless like they really see it get like a billion dollars or something. That's the only way they're going back. But otherwise, no. No, just really quick before we wrap things up, I legitimately want Capcom to do an RPG RE game. I cool. legitimately want that. Like, I don't care what anybody says. It sounds fucking awesome. I no, like, that does sound pretty interesting. I'll be curious to see how that will turn out to be. Par Parasite Evil, I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, technically it's been done before with Parasite Eve and some other um, horror-based RPGs. You know? So it's not out of the realm possibility, though, just how will Resident Evil handle it? Wasn't there a Game Boy game that was a Resident Evil game that was turn-based? Like, oh, you're talking about Gaiden? Yeah, that game Gaiden. Is yeah, Gaiden. It does have a different playstyle from the usual stuff, obviously. <laughs> so you want like a Yakuza 8 slash Persona 5 turn-based RE? Yakuza 8. I'd watch that. Hmm. Oh, 7, G. <laughs> uh, okay, um, I guess we can go ahead and end things here, right? Can I just ask one very small question before we finish? Because I was meant I was meant to slot it in and I totally forgot. And I just wanted people's opinions. Because it right, well. it brings us right back to the actual question where we started in terms of stuff in the remakes and the originals. 
was anybody have a slight gripe with the fact that they charged you money for the actual classic soundtrack and you had to pay for it as DLC? Because that bugged me a bit. Well, honestly, that's Capcom, unfortunately, being Capcom, charging DLC where it doesn't need to be charged for. Because they did it with Delmagrai, they did it with Resident Evil 3. 3 was definitely the worst example of this. Because like, given that there's no costumes virtually in the base game, you have to pay for the other two. That's definitely a slap to the face. But yeah, that's mm. Capcom being Capcom. It's not, unfortunately, uncommon for them to do. No, charge DLC mm, no. I, I can't be mad. It's nothing new to me. So uh, they charge on this DLC. So I, I can't. It's something they did in the past already. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Capcom being Capcom, you know. They, they finally get your money. Yep. Mm, rumble. All right, uh, anything else? The floor is open one more time. Mm. <laughs> Outro, we'll going once, going um, twice. Then, I mean, they also charge for, like, if you want all the uh, secret weapons for early. Yeah, I... Yeah, but that, that's... Okay, that's early unlocks. You're a scumbag for doing that, though, but that does not hurt the, your... The general gameplay really isn't it like isn't it's not the same as you know the costumes right you know that should be in the game charging to unlock stuff early like whatever right i don't, I don't really care at that point <laughs> i'm just saying that's that's just scumbag shit on his own but anyway that's that's different uh, let's go ahead and start at yours um bio devil dom uh outro yourself okay yeah you guys know me as bio devil underscore dom uh sure? i am actually trying to get working on some of my RE reviews since I have some free time before I start my new job. Um, I may or may not start actually doing some more content in the near future, given that I'm going to be working from home. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, uh, but anyway, you, you guys can find me here on YouTube or on Twitter, all as biodevil underscore Dom. Uh, and yeah. All right. Boomer. Actually, so. Yep, that'd be me, Resident Boomer. Um, Divic, I sit on the Discord a lot. Twitter is at Divi Divic. It's a bunch of shit posts and reposts. It's really not worth reading. Occasionally, I'll say something insightful, but uh, most of the time, it's bitching about how the kids don't play the old school shooters. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Hey, all right, no show drill bit. Uh, well, yeah, sorry for being late, but you could find me on Twitter at drillbit seven seven seven. <laughs> That's really where I'm only active in. Alright, sweet man. Thanks that way. Uh Matthew Rose. I'll treat you Alright, guys. <laughs> you can find me on Twitch and now on Hover under Matthew Rose, Twitter, Matthew underscore Rose, and coming soon, my YouTube channel. So stick around for that. Alright. Um Gold Silver Crystal, where your name is, uh actually so Alrighty. Okay, you can find me on YouTube over at Silver Gaming Network. We play a lot of classic PS1 games, and we are currently doing streams of GTA 3 and Outlast. So we're on there, trying to build up to 500 subs. And you can also find me over on Twitter at Silver, Ga at Silver Gaming Network or Silver Gaming 01. So it would be nice to see you. All right, uh, Operative. Uh, all right, you can find me on YouTube at Renegade Operative. You can find me on Twitch at Renegade underscore Operative, and you can find me on Twitter at Ren Operative underscore. I'm currently working on a video about the DCEU and a lot of uh, 
Snyder stuff. I'm going to be talking about that and some Batman stuff along with uploading this podcast. Hopefully it's all uploaded tomorrow and it's not so crazy. I know it's been delayed, but I'm working on it. And that's it. You know, I actually legit forgot about you this time. I had to think, wait, did I call Rin yet? And then <laughs> make sure. uh, I forgot about you too, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at Immortal Brundle, Twitter at Immortal Brundle. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I don't care. Sorry, I'm dirt. Um, Go to bed, yeah, bitch. Thank you all for joining. Yeah, I for sure. <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Um, stay out of places that are called Raccoon. Trust me, you won't go well. Uh, yeah. Have a great day, night, or every time it is for you guys, and you know, soon be good people. Don't, Stay safe out there and avoid the um the sea virus. Don't drink infected water. Don't eat yellow snow. Ew. Sorry, it's lemonade. Don't worry about it. No, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> don't, don't let Mister X give it to you either. Don't don't let that happen. Oh, that could be sexual. Wait a minute. I'm gonna give it to you. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> oh yeah, he gonna give it to you. <laughs>